on this episode of Quantum Week, October 9th through 15th, 1994. Quantum Week. Quantum Week. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about movies, music, headlines, and uh, stories. And we are in October of 1994 talking about uh, the Shawshank Redemption and All I Want to Do. Do I have headlines? Yes. I fucked that up. <laughs> it just fucking came I guess through. you're going to be getting headlines of the Patreon show, folks, which is going to be the... Um, Oops. The quiz show and... Uh, it uh, just came to me right now. Yes. I was like, what show is this? Because this I was like, this is the back half of the... No. no. This isn't the back half of the... No. This is the this is Chris you birthday week. headlines? You got to pay for them this week, folks. God damn it. Pony up, baby. I'm sorry about that. God damn it. Oh, Carano. What are you going to do with me? What are you going to do? <laughs> do a show. Find a new partner? I, you know, but who, but who can talk about music and you music get... and movies and music and music? The no, you can. I mean, the only one I can is if you do the show by yourself. A show by yourself, right? I will be doing that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no one will let me down. <laughs> That's right. um, sorry except myself. That. Uh, we have a poll. Yes. So we do this every year. Um, we ask you folks, uh, for the, uh, the week leading up to Christmas, you guys can pick which, which movie you want. Uh, and we, we basically take the 16 first nominees, uh, that you guys nominate, uh, any movie you want between November, 1979 until, uh, a year, a year ago, so the end of 2020, 2020. end of 2020. And, uh, we will do that movie. How it works is we take the first 16 nominations. I put them into a poll seated by box office, uh, and then we, uh, whatever we wins vote the poll. And, yeah. Right. Uh, last year, of course, was Battlefield Earth because you guys don't like us. Thank you. And so this year, if you're hearing this right now, you can nominate. Here's how you nominate. And I'm going to be a stickler about the rules this year. Movie, title. Yep. Or whatever it is. Let's say it's Battlefield Earth. Yep. We already did. Yeah, you don't want to do it. You'll just right. waste it if you right. do that. Yes. If you pick something we already did, we're not going to do it again. Battlefield Earth. And then at Quantum Week. So movie, title, whatever movie you want. At Quantum Week. In that order. In that order. If you flip it around, not going to count it. Sorry. Sticklers. So that's it. That's all you got to do. And then, so I will let you know if you're hearing this probably in the afternoon that the episode comes out, it's probably too late. Too late. Like last year we did it and I had all the nominees in before noon that day. And this and since then we've like tripled our audience. Yeah, so I'm guessing it'll people. be quicker, but who knows? Um, I'll send out a tweet saying we have enough um, nominees. Uh, but... Yes. So if you're hearing this, it's in the morning. You want to have us do a movie? You want to do a little pause right now while you get to Twitter? Go right ahead. I know like Lieutenant Kirk Caffey wants us to do the movie Spy Game. He Spy always Game. Asked, so he would yep. do Spy Game at Quantum Week. But I think he's DQ'd, right? Because he, he put that out there a few no, days ago. No, no, no. No, we're no, not going to DQ no, him? No. He is not DQ. All right. Great man. Reprieve, Caffey. Uh, yeah. So movie title at Quantum Week. That's it. And then uh, we'll start doing the polls uh, on Monday. Right. Because uh, that, that's going to dictate... Um, the following, uh, the week after that. So yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna start the polls right away, baby. All right. That'll be good. So we know. All right. So we've got, we have our week mapped out next week. And so that, that's the following right. week. And okay. we'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. We're doing a Patreon week next week, by right. the way. Yeah. So, um, we can talk about it now. Yeah. Sure. Right, yeah. Uh, so on, uh, I think we're going to release Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The first one will be, uh, we've done it's not Wednesday, Friday. No, what am Wednesday. I saying? Well, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Sorry yep. about that. First one will be, uh, first blood, first blood and Mickey. And Second then, one will be 48 Hours. Yep. And um, the Peter Gabriel song, Shock the Monkey. Yep. And then the Patreon show will be... The Toy. 
Jackie Grease and Richard Pryor movie, oh, yes. which I believe is a, it is streaming. So if you haven't seen it, it's uh, it's a bizarre, it's a watch. wild movie. Um, I saw it a lot as a kid. It was all over HBO. It was on HBO a lot. Yes, a I know that movie very well. Me too. You ass. <laughs> um, it's U.S. U.S. That's very funny. <laughs> uh, the Toy, which is Richard Donner, by the way. Another Richard Donner movie. I forgot that we was him. That. Yeah. And uh, the song will be uh, Dirty Laundry. Dirty Laundry. Don Henley. Uh, and that's, by the way, that's a Patreon. The reason we get an episode, you can thank Justin Jones. Uh, yes, thank you, uh, Justin. It's actually his second week. He's it been, is. He's yeah, been he a patron. Last, last year. If you're a patron for over a year, then uh, in the $50 level, you get to do, do another one. Was so. he the first then? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Thank you very much. Yeah. Justin's been a huge supporter of the show. So, um, yeah. So, um. Next week, you guys are getting a bonus episode. Um, and then the week after, we'll do the and poll. the week after, we're doing the fan poll. So yeah. what you know, what more do you want from... And the week after that, we'll be off for free shows. But we'll talk about that later. Is that true? Yeah. Wait, do I know that? Yeah, we talked about it. Okay. Because that Saturday is Christmas, so we're not going to put out oh, only a new Patreon episode on that's that That's right, Saturday. okay. That's far away. It's and we'll Christmas do other yet? stuff, too. We'll do, maybe we'll do some other things, maybe. Yeah, we might have another... Yeah. Christmas, Christmas show, maybe? The Christmas okay. show will come out on, the, on Patreon. Yeah. Oh, is that what we're going to... Oh. Hmm. And we'll do like a watch along or something. Probably on Patreon as well. <laughs> Sorry, you along with the headlines. Screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, if you're having a rough time this Christmas. Well, you get a free, you get a free episode next week. I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, maybe save it till the week after then. Anything yeah. else before we get to? Uh... And anyone can do the poll. We don't need to be patron by the way. Anyone can no, pick no, the movie. Course, yes. Yeah. So you're hearing movie title, act quantum week. Right. That's easy. Let's talk Shawshank. This is my birthday week. It is your birthday week. Happy last last week birthday. Thank I did you. send you a text on that, of course. <laughs> You're old, and that's okay. 42. I know. Terrible. So it means I've been drinking more than half my life legally. Which is wild. I bet your liver thinks that it's been longer than that. My liver is 84, but yes. I'm 42. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's crazy to... to it's, yeah, it's... I know. I know. You start thinking, like, how long I've, you've been out of college, too. Like 20 I'm still years. in my early 40s, though. Because zero, one, and two are early, right? Three, four, and three. five, and six are mid. No, no, no. Seven, four, eight, nine is late. No, four, five, and six is mid. No, no, no. Yes, it is. It's no, zero. It's yeah, it's 40, 41, 42, and 43. I'm still in my early 40s. So you, no. Until 44, 45, and 46, that's mid. No, mid should be longer than early. You think so? Yeah. So maybe I'm early mid. No, no, no. You're just mid. No, I'm early mid because no. I'm 43. No, it's, it's the, the beginning. Of the, I think I'm on the threshold, but I also think I'm spry and young at heart. You've aged a lot over the last couple of years. Doing, <laughs> doing the not, show, the pandemic, the show everything else, Jerry's no, I look show. Good. You look a lot older. No, I look really, a lot older. No, I don't even have all the gray hair. You have all that gray You're hair. You're losing your hair. I, you say that, but I've always had this cowlick. Yeah, I don't know. I, know I, I knew when you were younger. You're losing your hair. You, you think can, so? You're going to have that bald, that bald spot back there. Yeah. And I'm shaving it off. That happens. It's going, it's all going away. All going I away. I think it'd be small. I don't think, we'll be right at this conversation. I don't think you should shave it. I'm doing. It. I'm not going bald. I'm taking it off. If, if if that's what's happening, I'm taking it off. You don't, think it's less up there, though, huh? It's not. It's, it, don't shave it now. You look foolish. Like there's no reason. There's no reason to. It's very. It's just. It's just a light little. It's thinning. You know what I mean? It's not like bald. It's just thinning. And then You're making the, me feel better that, about like, this. That part. You know, whatever that. Yeah, is. yeah. I've got, it's really. It's a cowlick. Yeah. Right there in the back of my head, and that's where it happens. Okay. Right. <laughs> I told you this before. <laughs> People have told you this before. Well, yeah, but no, no, it's, um, it's fine. If that's what's happening, that's fine. But you're I not can't going bald. It's definitely not worth the shave. You're nothing like that. It's not drastic. Well, you know what I'm to, saying? I might have to do it. Nah. I guess I'm already married. Who am I trying to impress no, anymore? No, I think your hair, it's fine. It's fine. You have more hair than most guys your age. Yeah. yeah. You think so? Yeah. You mean our age? Uh, your age. Well, <laughs> mid 40s. I don't know. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, another perfect movie. There's no bad scene in this movie. Yeah, it's the best movie we've covered. 
Okay, um, it's not for... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, how's that? It's, I just <sighs> dropped that in it. it. It's a tough call. I will say it, it's a tough call between this and The Shining and for Superman, me. Yeah, two, yeah. No, no, not Superman. You're really tired of that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's, it's Shining. Uh, this is definitely a better movie The other one, too, for you. It was Shining and Good Will Hunting before this episode. Um, not this, for me, but... Yeah. This is better than Good Will Hunting. It's not better than Pulp Fiction. It's not... It's not uh, Pulp Fiction was third, by the way. That was the third yeah, yeah, before this. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, we've covered. Yeah. This may be third, for, is third or fourth for me. I the heart actually. I don't know if this is better than Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, they're those are these are comps. Those are those are very close. We're talking the best, the best, no matter what. It, Pulp yeah, Fiction, Silence of the Lambs. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes, so right. I mean, Shawshank Redemption's that good. It's to awesome. me, it's the best. Um, but like I say it's it's tough with The Shining. But The Shining is such a different movie. It's really hard to compare those two. It really is. They are just so drastically different. They are. Um. I mean, Shining is just so unique anyway. The Shining is a more unique film than this is. doesn't mean it's better. More of an art film, too. It's it's very strange. um, uh, But uh, this is, I'm going to say this is the best movie covered. In fact, this is my third favorite movie of all time. Um, Hmm. Number one is The Godfather Part 1. Number two is Goodfellas. And this is third. (sighs) Well, it makes sense. high company here. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's, I mean, I can't really argue it because there's nothing, I, I can't bash this movie. You think it's great. You'd give, oh, I love this movie. Give it an it's, a. An, it's an A plus. Yeah, it's, it's a plus, up there. Right, right. Yeah. Top, okay. top five. So we both agree this is a great movie. So like, great. I, I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of like, let's argue like who's better, you know, Joe DiMaggio or Ted Williams. Like, I mean, or even, you know, Boy Maze or Mickey Mantle. Sure. Like, all right, I guess you can have that argument, but both are great. And yeah. like, all right, you know, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, This movie, uh, I, I've loved this story long and I loved the movie. I read the book first. Me too. Oh, you did too? Mm-hmm. Um. And I just thought the story was that different seasons book. It's four short or four novellas. Do you remember what else is on it? Yeah. Apt Pupil. Yes. Which is an interesting movie. Yep. Uh, the Body, of course, Stand right, By Me. Right. And oh, I forget. It's Breathing, something Breathing, uh, Breathing Lessons, maybe. It's actually, it's been rumored to be a movie. Um, it went, it got greenlit for production 2019. Yep. I don't know if COVID stopped it or what, or if it just fell into production trap. But um, I haven't heard anything new on it. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a, if it's, you've ever read it and you've, if you're, if you're like an on the fence, Stephen King, it's one of his best stuff. Yeah. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Um, the, and they're shorter. It's less of a commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're novellas and stuff. I do wonder if this, if the, just like I'm sure the movie didn't have the same punch, but I wonder if the novella has the same punch. If you kind of know, if you know what's going to happen. I don't know. And I haven't read that in forever. Yeah. Uh, I haven't read it in a while either. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I love that story. It's one of the very first Stephen King things I read. Uh, in fact, it might be the first. Um, I think I read it before I read the stand. So I was like nine or ten when I read it, and I just thought the idea of how this guy broke out of prison was just wild. And I, I probably yeah. I did not understand the feelings of hope or despair or kind of those themes that run throughout and that are really in this movie more so than the novella. Th- those those are you oh, know and, driven home and family and friendship. Yes, um, right. Where and, freedom actually is, and how you can still be free. And, yes, yes. Um, and those things probably didn't, did, I didn't quite understand when I was that age, but I just thought the idea of him breaking out such a, the idea, the, the patience that it must have taken is it's crazy, always fascinating to me. It's crazy how readable Stephen King is kind of no matter what age you are. Because yes. like, I, I think I, I think I read The Stand first. My stepmother had that book, the hardcover with the, we've talked about it before with like the two um, spy versus spy yeah. like, images with on the, the front, uh, with the axe the size or, yeah. or yeah, whatever that is. Um, I read that for, and I, that's the extended version, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We both read the extended version, I think. Cause yeah. it came out when we were younger. I mean, I was in the backseat of, of a, Same story. Uh, of like a, you know, a car, like driving yeah. around, whatever, reading this thing. Oh, I couldn't and, put it down. I read it in three days. I just, I was just trying, it was, you know, 1200 pages. I couldn't put it down. Yeah. I'd never, I, when you're a kid, 
I've never read anything like it. When you're a kid like that, there's just got enough of the sci-fi and the fantasy and real world stuff. And he's just so readable. And to be, I, I haven't read the stand forever, but I bet if I read it now, it's still going to be like an amazing. It's really book good. And readable. It's, it doesn't have that same. Like I reread it uh, when the pandemic happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, doesn't have the same punch to it that it did that for it. Like, it never will. I think me and you probably both had, had our first, that was the first book I ever loved. Yeah, it was like a more an adult book. The first that like, I, yeah. a book I ever really truly loved. Yeah. Like, like that was like, just like Pulp Fiction is probably the first movie I ever really truly like loved. Yeah. Like with adult perspective. Yes. And that's, the, the, you know, or at least some sort of adult perspective. Right. Um, uh, this book, the Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, which is the, the Stephen King title, uh, that I didn't read as like with an adult perspective. I just was like, wow, this guy broke out of jail. It took him that long. The patience he must have had. That was all really interesting to me. But the reason this movie is so rewatchable uh, and it's been on TNT a million times and um, it's, it, it holds up so well is because those overriding themes we've just talked about. And, that, and that's what makes this, this movie apart in that it's so deep. I mean, Shining has a lot of those same overarching themes too that are just uh, like whether it be being a parent, being a spouse, a haunted yeah, house. Sure. It has so many different things going on. That makes it so rewatchable. This has so many different things going on too that makes it so compelling and rewatchable. I agree. And it's also done in such an interesting way too that you don't, the, the main character is not the voice you hear. It's not the perspective you're seeing stuff from. It's about yeah. Andy, but, we, but, but, it's, but it's from Red or, or even it's from uh, Brooks' perspective. Right. When we have that little side journey. We're never really seeing it from, from Andy's eye. It's like it's told in such an interesting way. Yeah, do you, okay, I don't believe this. You don't, well, no, sorry. But yeah. I'm going to put it out there because yeah. we do trash movies for this a lot of times, especially me. I really hate voiceover, I really hate narration. No problem in this movie. Is it, I is it lazy Red. and cheap? Because you're telling a story that spans a lot, of, a lot of years. Just like Goodfellas, same thing. It's true. It's spanning a long period of time. Is it lazy and cheap to use that narration as a, as, um, as a tool? I think it helps us get to know Red better. I think we need it in this movie. I like, have no problem with it. And I have no zero. problem with Goodfellas or Casino that also use the VO. That's true too. Um, I, and I, I, some people use it as a crutch to get away. With, giving you the backstory. Yeah. Like, like it's, just, quickly, it's an exposition yeah. tool. Yeah. Where this, especially Morgan Freeman's voice and the fact that like Matt's saying, like you're really hearing Andy's story from Red's perspective. Yes. Like because of those things, um, it adds a flavor, adds a heart it adds compassion. It adds all of these things to it more than just exposition. There's so many layers to just yep. the narration. So because of that depth, and Casino is a lot of the same things too, because you're getting it from different perspectives. Yes. And then Goodfellas, you, do, you even get you get Karen uh, you and you get Henry's. You do. Um, and when you can use voiceover to add depth to your story, that's okay. Like I don't know if we would have really known how Red how Red sized up Andy to begin with if we didn't have some of the narration and voiceover. You, you know would have I mean? had to have this weird conflict with them. Yeah, exactly. And it wouldn't it it wouldn't have felt organic. And um, I don't know. I, I think the storytelling, it, like you mentioned, that is really unique. The way this whole thing is structured is really bizarre for a movie. Um, and I don't, I don't mean the simple things like, Oh, it takes place in a prison. Like that's actually yeah, pretty common in movies. Yeah. Um, or there's no women characters. Once again, it's, it's fairly common in prison or war movies. We, we ran into this with platoon sure. or other movies. Um, no, what makes this interesting is like you said, like Matt said, you're hearing Andy's story from Red's perspective. You go in this bizarre amazingly compelling total tearjerker Brooks thing. Yeah. But until the end of the movie, you wonder why that's there at all. Yeah. Like what, why are we right? What it's yes. It's brilliantly acted. It's brilliantly shot. Super moving. It's a beautiful scene. It, it is, is. It is. It is. Oh, it's soul crushing. It's, yeah. it, it it's, um, it's amazingly rich 
all the details, everything, even bagging groceries, all of it is yes. so great. But it's kind of, until the end, it's kind of a pointless aside. It is. Um, and you have, uh, you know, you have the warden character who's religious, um, but then uses that religion as a, as a tool against the prisoners. So you, and you have kind of a lot of different conflicting point of views. And the point of view we don't get is the main character. We never really know what Andy's after until the second the rock loses the poster. Yeah. Um, so to kind of use this Houdini trick, but they never feel like you were manipulated like you might in a Chris Nolan or M. Night Shyamalan movie. That's a real testament to Darabont, Frank Darabont's directing. We needed that, Brooks, too, because Red had to make a choice, and that choice had to be that had to be that choice had to have significant impact. He needed to choose, and because Andy tells him there are places where they cannot take your freedom away from you. Like with music, I hear it in my head. Um, it's in your head, it's in your heart. You have to learn that. Red needed to learn that so that he would be prepared when he finally got out of prison to not decide that there was no life outside of prison. Like he was only a caged bird. He had right. to make that decision. And he did the same thing with the beer there when they tar on the roof. Yes. Same exact thing. Yes. This is what it feels like to be a free yes. man. Like don't let them take that from you. Like you are still, you are still a human being. Yep. You're not this machine in, or a gear in this machine. You're not but, just some slave labor. Not even that. I mean, so, you, yes, but even there, these, I mean, the prisoners, so they do the things that they, they may, except for Andy, they seem to have done things to deserve to be it's true. There. But, um, and you're right, it is, uh, but I, I think the institutionalism of prison is like wearing down, obviously slavery wears down your humanity too. I just think it's in a different way where this is like- a, But I mean, you can be, you, like you have no, you have no, you are, you do not own yourself anymore. So you can right. be asked and made to do whatever they right. want. And so the only freedom that you have is they cannot touch what's in your head. That's it. Right. Like that's all you have. And he had to learn that because- we didn't know, actually. I mean, I don't remember watching it for the first time if I knew. Oh, I know I know exactly where I watched this for the first time, by the way. Um, it was in my English class in high school. Oh. I took a modern literature class, and we reread this in that class. I'd already read it, but we reread yeah. it again today. And she and my English teacher showed us this movie. I was young. It was probably my sophomore year or yeah. something. Uh, uh, junior year was my junior year. Junior year. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted my girlfriend at the time, Abby, to see it. I was like, I was so enthralled. I lit, watched this movie. It, it moved me so much. The hope, the despair um, that I had to show her. I brought it. I rented it. I was like, you got to see it. So we, we rented it and I brought it to her, to her, her parents' house. Strict Catholic people. They could not handle it. All the swears, like the yeah. sexual stuff in the beginning. Yeah. It, was, it was a very uncomfortable experience. But, um, but Red had to know, Red had, he had to learn because we didn't, we didn't know if he was going to, he could have killed himself. He could have followed the Brooks path. Oh, there's no fucking hung himself. Yeah. There's no Brooks and there's no Andy. I think he does. He might have. He seems to be going down that path. Because, sorry, because in prison, yeah. he's can't, he's like, can't, he's not, doesn't use a guy the bathroom. He's in the world, right. I value. But outside, he's like asking to go to the bathroom. Right. And he doesn't know his place anymore. Right. Like he doesn't have that same value. He doesn't have that same respect or whatever, or just reason for being there. Worth. Yeah. Uh, self-worth is such a dramatic thing. No, I do want to speak back to, and this might speak to Matt and I, I don't think so though, actually. This movie is so timeless and is loved by many generations. But, um, so I watched, I didn't go to the theaters and see this because it would talk about personal story. My dad was, was really at death's door at this point. Um, this is a really tough time in my life personally. Um, so uh, it was on, it, I didn't get to see it until it came out in Blockbuster. And I remember going to Blockbuster like every like week or whenever we went to like, you know, a couple times a week. Yep. Hoping that Shawshank was out on VHS already. Because I loved the, um, the, the book so much. Right. And I knew it had been nominated for his Academy Awards. I'm like, I'm really dying to see this. 
And I remember being so happy. I can feel like the plastic case in my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, you know, when I actually got the copy, because this, when this came out on VHS, it was in high demand. Like for once, the movie was actually, because the word of mouth by then had spread. Right. That people really wanted to see this. And, uh, oh man, I remember like, I remember I like, couldn't wait to go home, throw it in the VCR and watch it. And I was just completely, just like same experience you had, like completely blown away by, yep. by everything in it. Um, it. It's it's one of my favorite movies I've watched. Like I rented. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one of my favorite rental experiences. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's like exactly saying like the hope, the despair, all those things. Um, just really at that point, really rang true. I said, when I was a kid, never the first time the prison break was everything. Sure. But when, yeah, you know, when, when we're in high, high school, school, some, and even, but even now though, I watched the movie differently than I did when sure. I was in high school. Yes. Cause there's so many things like, Oh yeah, you look at this guy. Well, life moved on for them too. And it's moved on for us. Like we're yeah. in a different place. A lot of doors have closed for like, we'll never be professional tennis players, whatever. A lot of doors have closed for us at well, this time. In our life. Right. I might have, you, you <laughs> might be. But same thing right. for them. They've been in prison for all this time. There's so many things they'll never get to do because they age out of them yeah, while they were locked yeah. away. That's funny. That you're, I don't really think of it like those terms. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I look I look at it like a little bit, but like sadness, more like, oh my God, look at all the things they missed. Yes. So it's like, oh, you missed out on not things that you could have been, but things that you never got to experience, whether it be just being a kind of a clown well, in your Andy, 20s. Well, like settling down, maybe having in your thirty, you know, right. like having a family, sure. you know, buying your first house. Like these are things those guys are never going to have. Yes, right. it sounds like a lot of them made their own bed. I uh, know Andy had accomplished some of those things by the time, but but he, you know, in a normal life, he probably just would have remarried and had a nice life, made a lot of money. He's right. obviously a very brilliant guy. Yeah. Um. So the fact that he, those got wiped away is incredibly tragic. Yes. Um. One thing I love about this movie is that Red is guilty. He is. So yeah, that would have been lazy if he was not guilty. I don't love that they don't say what he's in there for because they, they do say it in the book. I, was it murder in the book? Because that's what I he remember. He cut someone's break lines. Right. Um, in, in the book. Uh, in the movie, they, they don't say, which is fine, I guess, but it would have been nice because he is a murderer. And um, yeah, I think they might say he's a... They, I feel like... They might say it in the parole thing or whatever. It's, but it's like, but it's kind of brushed... It's, yeah. They don't really make... They make a kind of a point of not really saying... Um, which it would have been nice to, I don't know, uh, maybe embrace that a little more, but I also understand, I think just having be guilty might be enough for some people. Yeah. We know he's in prison for a long time and he's guilty. For a, for a reason. And he knows he's guilty. Like he, right. he's he never excuses it. Ever. He just owns it. And, yeah. And I think Andy respects him for that. Actually. Probably. I, not yeah. that he's a murderer, but that he actually owns his, yeah. his, his crime. And, and, you know, he, Andy's wise enough to know, like, all right, he was probably made, you know. He's not evil. He just made a horrible mistake when he was younger. He did. Like you don't think? Do you think Red's evil? I don't. No, I don't either. Um, but I think as a kid, I mean, he he says that as a kid he was evil. Like I was. Yeah. A, uh, that that guy was. Right. Was a, I don't know how he says it, but it was a terrible person. Think, yeah, I wish. Could, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. He he knows, and he'll never. Well, and that's the other thing with Worth too. It's like you you're in, you do this thing, you kill someone, and you know it was wrong. At a certain, you know, you have some sort of come to Jesus moment. You realize that that's a terrible thing that I did. I can't believe I was that person. You feel like you should be punished and, and you feel like the prison should be all the way through, not just the, not just your body, but should be your mind and your heart as well. Like at some point you feel so guilty that, that you imprison yourself all the way down to your core. And Andy kind of has to remind him like, no, you can, you can move on from this. Like you can, you, you, there's hope out there. Like embrace that hope. When we meet Red, yeah. he's been in jail for 20 years, okay? Yeah. There's no way that guy we meet, I don't think, would kill again. No way. Even when we meet him, right? Okay. 
No. But, like, should he be, should he still be in jail then? Um, and I'm conflicted here. One element is like, well, no, he's not going to kill again. Like, what are we doing here? But the other element is, well, it's also a, a deterrent. You can't just let murderers go after 10 years because they're good now. And B, like, if that was my family member that he killed, I'd be like, fuck that guy. I want him in jail till, he, till he's dead. Well, that's why this idea of restitution is so important. Like, if there is a way for someone who has done a crime, I'm not saying necessarily murder, I, I don't know, but some crime to provide restitution to the person that they harmed, make good, if, you, if it's possible, make good to the person you harmed, then that ssort of rehabilitation is able to take place and they can move on. Like everybody can sort of move on without uh, a punitive um, imprisonment does not allow for restitution. The crimes don't allow for that though. Yeah, I don't, and I don't. You know, there's either, you know, whether it be rape or yeah, attack, yeah, I agree. trauma, yeah. there's all this stuff going on you, that you can't right. possibly pay for. Exactly. So is there, is that possible? I, I think if we knew, if we could know that, that rehabilitation like was legit, then I would say, yeah, come out. Like it shouldn't be a pun. It shouldn't prison shouldn't necessarily be punitive. It should be rehabilitative. It'll build rehabilitative. We err on punitive though. That's the problem. Even for lesser crimes, like it's it's more about punishment than it is about rehabilitation. That's too bad. But for red, I don't know. It's hard. Murder's hard. That that's a that's a tough one. I mean, violent people prisons for should be for violent people. Right. We agree on that. Yeah. Um. Do you think the warden's evil? Yes. Yeah, me too. Oh, he's a horrible, horrible person. Yeah. He's uh, committing fraud. I mean, I, I have no so love for So is the Clancy Brown character, that guard. Oh, he's evil. He's evil too. Absolutely evil. Yeah. These are evil I mean, we people. see him commit murder, cold blooded murder. Yeah, so. he, yeah, he shoots the, uh, I can't the kid, remember his yeah. name, the kid, but no, he, they're, they are absolutely, they are horrible people. They are Satan. Uh, I don't know if they're, no, they're, they're as bad, they're worse than Red because, you know, they've killed people too. Yes. Yes, and they're manipulating and, and stealing right. and manipulating and and use and using slave labor to enrich themselves on all these outdoor projects. Inside Out, <laughs> Inside Out, <laughs> right? That's a great name. Bob Gunton plays the warden. He's fantastic. He he's he had awesome. been a, a stage actor. Uh, he was in the, the first uh, Sweeney Todd. He played Sweeney Todd on stage. Oh, interesting. He won a Tony for that, I believe. And I think he was also in uh, Vita, the first Vita. Uh, he played a uh, one. Perone, is that I'm sorry. I don't know if he's at all. The, the male lead there. I think Jonathan Price plays him in the movie. Um, but he, really interesting stuff. So uh, so he does this movie, just like everyone does this movie. And uh, when it comes out, it completely tanks. It came out roughly around the same time as Pulp Fiction. This actually, this week, uh, th- Pulp Fiction was number one. Yeah. We'd already covered it. Right. Uh, so I picked two movies of my choice. And I went with uh, this one and Quiz Show, which were actually, I think, for nine and ten that week. Mm, interesting. Um, Quiz Show at least had been out for a little while. This this basically just came out and just fucking died on died in the vine. Oscar not so it makes sixteen million. Uh, it costs twenty five to make, uh, which really means it really costs like forty because you got to figure it's like you know there's yeah, marketing yeah. and things like that. Because right. this movie actually was marketed, it just marketed very badly, very depressing movie, uh, the way it was commercialized. Um, and it obviously is depressing, but it's really about hope. But the, you would have gotten none of that from the, the trailers. Um, so then it, Oscar nominations come out. And it got a Best Picture nomination. It actually yep. had seven nominations. Yep. It was really the last one at the dance. I remember this year very well. It was the first year I was really super like into it. Because uh, Pulp Fiction was nominated along yep. with Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. I mean, I watched the, the Silence of the Lambs Oscars. I've watched a few other ones leading up to that. But this was the first one I was really plugged in. I think it was Four Weddings and a Funeral. That's right. And I'm forgetting one. Uh, quiz Show. Quiz Show, I'm sorry. Of course. Yep. Uh, but um, Shawshank was a surprise. And it had no shot of winning. No one, even though it had seven nominations, no one sat down that night and said, oh boy, I wonder if, you know, if Shawshank won. The, everyone kind of knew Gump was going to win, but if there's any dark horse, it was Pulp Fiction. 
no one considered Shawshank at all. It's, I mean, we've talked about this before. The fact that Forrest Gump wins here is is such a tragedy. But it makes sense in the time. It's yeah. a, it's a terrible. I we so covered shitty. Forrest Gump for this so show. Shitty. We've covered Pulp Fiction show. We, Matt and I both obviously yeah. agree with this. Um, it's it's ridiculous looking back on it. But in in the moment though, it was not a surprise. Yeah. So um, but the good news is though, what it, it got because back then, if you got one of the five Oscar nominations, pe- people really went out of their way to see all five Best Picture nominees. I think more so than today. Plus now there's you know, eight, nine or 10 a year. Yeah. Um, back then there were only five. And so because of that, there actually was a little bit of rush to go and it got, picked up 12 million more dollars. So actually brought in 28. Uh, so they offset some of that cost. Yeah. And then of course, good word had spread and that's when the, the, the VHS, uh, rentals, VHS, a lot of stuff. And then DVD, sales. that becomes DVD sales right. and also becomes like TNT is airing it yes. every day. Um, just like how AMC does the Godfather every day. It feels like <laughs> TNT does the Star every day. And so Bob Gunton, bring it back to him. He does the movie in the first couple of years, he's getting residual checks, which is fine, whatever. He said that as of like 2005 or six, he was still getting six figure residual checks annually from this movie. Gunton was? He's not even like, yes, he's like the third guy build, but like, that's crazy. He's not, I mean, he's in 20 minutes, 30 minutes of the film, maybe 25 six minutes of the film. Six figures. <laughs> it's crazy. Good for him. Oh, yeah. That brick by brick scene is so fucking oh good. God. I mean, I know, you know, Kirk talks about it too. It is so good. Well, it's harrowing. I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, you have this guy at the lowest moment. Yes. You know, and just driving him down. It's, yeah. It is. And that's what this guy does. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just who he is. Uh, but great performance by Bob Gunton. He's a, he's a great bad guy. But it, it's wild to think that if you just catch on to that one thing, it really can, you can don't change really, your life. You do yeah, anything yeah. the rest of your life. All right. Um, I was going to say, oh, so you mentioned it's a perfect movie. So I do have one issue with this movie. Really? One issue. What is it? Uh, Gil Bellows plays the kid. I'm fine with him. Oh. You don't like him? I just think he's a dumb, he's just he's, some dumb kid. He was in Alan McBeal later on. Um, mm. I think he looks. I forgot about that. He, he actually was 27. It's not that ridiculous. I think he looks like he was in his like mid to late 30s. Oh, he at the looks, time, you were aged a lot easier in the he looks 40s, ridiculous. 50s. He doesn't know what he's doing. Ends up, you know who that was, you know who signed on? Who was supposed to be there? Brad Pitt. Well, that would have been crazy Can you better. imagine? So what happened was he did a movie called Thelma and Louise. Well, there's, yeah. And when he got, when that happened and blew up, he was still signed, contractually signed to this, but uh, he's like, listen, I got, he ended up doing two movies in 94. Interview Vampire, right. which we covered in the show. Yeah. And uh, one of our first movies, um, Oh, the Anthony Hopkins rah, movie. Uh, uh, where, <laughs> what? Rah, <laughs> it's like our first episode. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, it's with Aiden Quinn, Brad Pitt, Legends of the Fall. Okay. <laughs> that also was uh, nominated for uh, cinematography in this one, which Deacon's lost too. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> became a thing. Like, you know, very, like one of true. our early inside jokes in it. In, uh, I forgot. Shows. Yeah, he kept, he kept coming back. Rah, and, uh, uh, yeah, but so Brad picked out those two movies, which, you know, I mean, yeah, compared to a bit part in this, you know, is it kind of a no-brainer for him and his career just blew up. Right. But if he doesn't do Demo Luis, he's in this movie. That would have been better. Yeah. A lot better. Well, I mean, you have crazy acting all over this movie. Like James Gandolfini really was almost in it. As who? As a warden? As Boggs. As Boggs. Which one's Boggs? Uh, one of the guys that tries to rape him, right? Oh, is Boggs one of the sisters? I think so. He might be the main sister. I think he is. Um, Which would have been terrifying. A guy like Gandolfini that large. Oh, my God. Would have been, you know, and uh, he turned it down. Oh, he should have done it. 
I think he's was probably okay with how his career turned out. I know, I know. but uh, not how his life turned I mean, out. He though. would later. <laughs> he did okay. Well, yeah. I mean, he didn't live very long. That's what I, mean. I think I think he's okay with how his life turned out. Matt's very. Oh, when, you, when, you, when you die young, I mean, um, sad. I don't, I don't think being this movie would initially save his life. Might have. Uh, of course, he would, Coke. he would later do. Uh, no, earlier had done uh, True Romance with uh, with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Earl, later, no, no uh, earlier. It was ninety two, right? 92, I think so. It was earlier. Um, no, that would have been good. The cast is good, though. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with this kid. He's fine. Oh, I, he's just Gil some Bellows dumb. Is terrible in this. It's really bad. It's really jarring. It really takes me out of the movie. Oh, it didn't bother me as Which much. Which is a shame because everyone else is casted perfectly. Yes, they really it's are. Perfect, and they're not big names. No. Um, uh, no, not I mean, the Clancy time. Brown. Um, yeah, Tim Robbins, Robbins, Morgan Freeman, Bob well, Gunn, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, William Sadler's William Haywood. Sadler, and he and he's a really good character actor. You know, obviously, you see him in a million things. Yep. Um, and who? Uh, so James Whitmore Brooks. Uh, plays Brooks. He had been nominated for two Academy Awards, once in the fifties and then once in the seventies, uh, playing Harry Truman. Mm. Um, he also had won Tonys. He's he even won a Grammy. He had a, this wild career. Um, and he lived until like. He was like another like 15 years. He was old here. Yeah. I don't know how he old died. he was. But he was almost 90 when he died. Um, he's like, yeah, like mid 70s here. But yeah. um, he's so good as, as Brooks. Oh, he's great. I mean, Super likable, very warm. But institutionalized. Yeah, I mean, just, just a crushing. Yep. And it, you have to have a really good actor in that role because it, we have to remember that journey because the payoff at the end with Morgan Freeman, with Red. So it has to be something that really hits you hard. It does. Or else it's not going to pay off. No, uh, you're not going to see the... The, the that parallel, um, parallel move after the after Red gets out. Uh, so I wanted to ask you yeah. though. So Morgan Freeman gets nominated. Yeah. And Tim Robbins does not. Morgan right. Morgan Freeman gets nominated as as uh, as actor, not even supporting actor. Yeah, this is his third nomination. He'd been nominated for Street Smart in yeah. 1986, and then he got nominated uh, again for uh, Drive Miss Daisy. Um, he wouldn't win until Million Dollar Baby, and he got nominated again for Invictus. Yep. I think that's Which you haven't seen it, and it's good. I've not seen it. Yeah. I, I would Damon gladly and, see it. Yeah. Be happy to see it for uh, for the show. Um, yeah. So, but Morgan Freeman is definitely like kind of peak Morgan Freeman zone. Now, Robbins will get nominated the next year uh, as director for um, oh, the Sean Penn, our students ran in um, Death Row movie. Uh, oh, uh, Dead Man Walking. I forgot that he, he directed. Uh, that. Yeah, I forgot he only that he directed three that. movies. He directed uh, Bob Roberts, this, and then um, Bob Roberts. Uh, I forget the other movies. It was a it bombed. It was a um, Bob Roberts is interesting. It's, a, it's about politics. He plays like a, like a like a politician. So he's in an Andy direction. He play, yeah, he plays yeah, Bob Roberts. I, I don't know. Um, the other movie was like a it was an ensemble. It just didn't work, and it bombed. And he never. It was like ninety nine. He hasn't directed since. I think this is right. Uh, Robin's not getting best actor or supporting actor. So I think I think it makes sense. Well, he can't be supporting. He'd be. Lead. So it would, ha- it would they would both have to be yeah, nominated yeah. for best actor. Yeah. Yeah, because they're both in a right. Yeah. So Morgan Freeman, Nigel Hawthorne for The Madness of King George, Tom Hanks, Paul Newman, John Travolta get nominated this year. Morgan yeah. Freeman, it makes sense that he got... I didn't think Tim Rob. Tim Robbins is very good. He's very, very good. It's just not a big part. Yeah, I remember this happening again. Um, this was... Uh, Tim Ro- uh, Morgan Freeman had no chance. This was between... Uh, Tom Hanks. And Travolta. Yeah. Uh, some people thought Hanks wouldn't win because it would have been back-to-back, and people thought that, right. might, that might happen, but Hanks was the favorite going in. Um, I wouldn't say, I don't know if I'd say heavy favorite because Travolta, there was some Travolta, I think almost won this. It's interesting. Freeman's yeah. better than Travolta in, I, in this movie. Yeah. I mean, Freeman's better. Freeman's the best of that five. I think Though so. I haven't seen, uh, nobody's, seen George. But. Uh, yeah, me neither. Paul Newman and nobody's fool. I don't He's remember. He's great. Yeah. But it's not, right, he doesn't hold the candle to, 
but Travolta is better than Newman, and you know, in this, yeah, in that one right. movie. Um, and I'm not knocking Travolta either. It's just Morgan Freeman is is excellent in this movie. He's he's a great. He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could. You, I think Bob Gunn could have gotten a supporting actor nomination. I mean, actually, that would have worked. But you had Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. Paul Schofield from Quiz Show. Gary Sinise for Forrest Gump. I like Gary Sinise fantastic. in that movie. Yeah. Uh, Martin Lando and Ed Wood. Don't oh, remember. Great, great performance. Just don't remember that. Bill Lugosi, it's but fantastic. then you have Chaz, uh, Paul Materi, Bullets Over Broadway. Yeah, which is which. He's it's fine. It's Woody Allen. It's not a good movie. Uh, Diane Weiss, I think, won that for that same movie. Uh, it's not great. Um, yeah, I would have preferred Gun, but I mean, Gun, absolutely. No, that would never. That was never going to happen. By the way, I mean, we're talking about kind of nonsense here. Like that was that was never on the table. I'm just saying what I would have preferred. Is just because it's it, 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 Shawshank was just so under the radar. Yeah, like they okay. were lucky to get the seven nominations. They must have been they must have been shocked that morning, like when they woke up. Seven's and, a lot, and realized they had seven. Because yeah. this was just not on a lot of people's radars. Um, I mean, not shock, shock, shock. It wasn't like the craziest thing that ever happened, but it was definitely like that, that's more than they must have anticipated. Yeah, screenplay as well. Forrest Gump wins, which is bullshit. This yep. is much better. This is a much and better screenplay. So Darabont gets nominated for a screenplay. I want to talk a little about Darabont? Oh yeah, um, which. This is it like to knock a movie out of the park on your first one. Yeah. Is nuts. Um, right. It is nuts. Uh, right. To make basically the, this is not, by the way, if you go to IMDb, this is the number one movie in IMDb based on ratings. So basically it's like the most beloved movie of all time. Okay. If you, if you follow that, I think it definitely is in that top tier. And he's um, a, he's really a writer. Wouldn't you call him a writer? A writer, writer? Actually, yeah. I mean, he wrote, uh, the Fly Two. Yes, uh, actually, he wrote the best of the Nightmare on Elm Street, which is three. Dream Wars. That's right. Which is a, which is a good movie. I um, remember liking it because it was uh, right around that time where I would have watched some of those. Really ads. interesting. It's actually a really good yeah. movie for a, for a horror movie. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's actually a good movie. Um, and, That's the one with Depp, or is he in the first? No, one? he's in the first one. He's in the first one. What was um, it? it was uh, oh my gosh, the girl from uh, Charquette, I think, is in it, right? Something um, like that. It has it has an interesting cast. Yeah. Um, so. He, right, he's more of a writer. He, he, so he, him and King, he, he had wanted to adapt King novels for a while. He actually, uh, King had a thing for, Stephen King had a thing for a while. You pay him a dollar, you can like, get, he'll give you the rights to, to, to make a movie. movie. Yeah, as long as you like, and like this, the guy, Nick Garris, he directed The Stand, the, the, the one from like 94. Yeah. The same year. Uh, and he, he's directed a couple of things. He's not a very good director, but I guess he just, him and King just kind of hit it off. Yeah. In fact, Garrison and Darabin are friends. Um, and, uh, yeah, King was very generous. And eventually though, it, it ended up being a, tw- I think it was like 2,500 or $5,000, um, that Darabin had to get, Jesus. paid to get the rights to this. And in fact, when the movie came out, uh, Stephen King sent him the check back. He had never cashed it Aww. and wrote, if you ever need bail money, Steve, <laughs> um, That's pretty good. framed and it was all framed. Uh, which is pretty cool. But yeah, so Darabont uh, had this and he kind of had this in his back pocket for a little while. He had bought it a few years earlier. And yeah, I mean, not too long after the book came out. Right, which the book came out in the, in the early 80s. Or so. Oh, was it that or was that? Yeah, the book came out I think, in the early, early mid 80s. Huh, okay. Um, uh, he came wrote this book in 75, in the novella in 75. He sat on it because it was a novella. I didn't know what to do with it. Right. Um, so really what happens is Stand By Me comes out, right? And that, yeah. uh, it's also a novella. Uh, Rob Reiner directs it. Massive hit. In fact, this, Stand By Me and um, this movie are King's favorite adaptions, which makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so Darabank has this in his back pocket and he really wants to make this movie. He has this real vision for it. And he goes to Castle Rock, which Rob Reiner uh, is really in charge of and says, I really want to do this. And uh, Rob Reiner is like, listen, I really want to do this too. <laughs> I will give you 2.5 million 
Really? The, to... And I get to write it. I get to like rewrite it and I get to direct it. Ugh. Here's, I don't want you to be, be screwed out of working Hollywood. We'll then finance your next film, whatever it may be. But I want this. Holy shit. Garibound had like his Sylvester Stallone where Stallone, when he wrote Rocky, yeah. they're like, all right, we're going to give you a million dollars. Stallone was eating like, you know, peanut butter sandwiches. He had no money. And like, I'll give you a million, million dollars for this, but you can't be in it. And he's like, no. I'm going to stand by it. Uh, and Darabin had the same kind of like, you know, grab your nuts moment. Two and a half million. Two that's, million dollars. That is hard. And funding for your next movie. Yep. That is yep. hard to walk away from. Your next movie basically be greenlit. That is impossible to walk away from. It wasn't from. for him. He said, Jesus. He, he said, when you have a dream, you got to stand by it. And, uh, and Reiner's, and Reiner to his credit, wasn't like, fuck you, get lost. He's like, all right, we're still going to make the movie. Um, but I'm, can I mentor you? Can I work with you on this? And uh, Darren like, absolutely. Like I, I could, oh, yeah, I'd Rob appreciate Rive, it. Yeah. Rob Ryan, you know, just wrote, yeah. you know, did stand by me. And, right. and like, and uh, he really, they really respected each other, which is very cool. So um, Castle Rock kind of pushed him to get Roger Deakins. Deakins, of course, the legendary cinematographer. He's the best, honestly. I looked through his, I, I looked through his list. He's, he's Gordon fucking. Willis is great, man. I know he is, but we're, but, ni- but 1917 though. Fucking seals this. Who er, did uh, Road to Perdition? Oh, that was Deacons, no, wasn't it? No. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm positive. Um, we should find out. I'll find it right. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. It wasn't him. Who I the know, fuck bro. did that? Uh, he Deacon's died. So good. What happened was it was the guy that Mendes worked with, um, Conrad Hall. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Conrad, that's right. Conrad, Conrad Hall, Hall died. Very good too. And then uh, Deacons then started working with Mendes. That's what happened. That's he died right. shortly after Road to Perdition. Um, yeah, so uh, so Castle Rock kind of pushes Deacons on Darabont, and because Deacons is an established photographer, and Deacons is the first—I mean, uh, Darabont's first time guy. Yeah. So they didn't get along. This was not a friendly set, really. Yeah. So Deacons wanted the vision we see is Deacons' vision, and Deacons is like, listen, I really want to have it be super claustrophobic in the prison, no outside stuff. So then when we go outside and we're seeing, I'm always going to pronounce the Mexican city's name. That, that and oh, I don't remember. It's, it's such a big, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the end shot basically yes, on the beach that, yes, on the Pacific. Or the stuff when he's like walking to the tree. Yeah. Uh, when Morgan or when Tim Robbins gets out of prison and yes. it's the storm is happening. It's, it just, it's, it's so expansive. from above and it's big. Right. Yeah. He's like, I want those moments. Yeah, we need to be that so, dichotomy. So powerful. Right. right. And that's what, and um, Darabout, it's like, well, I'm nervous. People are just going to be kind of bored with the grays and the greens of prison and they're going to they're gonna feel claustrophobic and the movie's going to feel boring and dreadful. And they went back, they fought, like they fought on set. The other problem was Darry Brown's a first time director, has this very clear, precise vision he wants. And he would just make guys do take after take after take. Jesus. Which if you're certain directors, you can get away with it. If you're Stanley Kubrick, you can push Shelley Duvall to madness. She's yes. not going to. But if you're Frank Darry Brown and you're working with, at that time, two-time Academy Award nominee Morgan Freeman, and you know that scene where they're throwing the baseball? Or, you know, back and forth? I do. He made him do that for nine hours. What the fuck? So like the next day, like, Freeman comes in like in a, in a sling. Oh, I'm sure man. a little dramatic there, but like, he's like, he's like, that scene is so crucial. Cause that's when, uh, Andy asked for the rock. Hammer. Yeah. That's the first time they, yeah. It's like such a crucial right. scene. You really want to get it right. Um, but I guess at, after that moment, there were times where Darren Brown's like, all right, let's do it again. Freeman's like, no, nah, I'm good. And he's like, walk off. Really? Yeah. And you don't want to burn your relationship with your actors yeah. either. Like and there's so far, there's only so far you can go. Darren Brown kind of realized that later on, he said, he is like, Oh, I needed to have a better barometer with how I work with people. Um, you're man as a director, you're also managing the set and the people. It's a lot of responsibility. It's more than just your vision. Exactly. And, um, but I think he still has some hostility about it because like, so I read an interview, um, uh, that came out this year, uh, 
And he said that he's, he's talking about Robbins and Freeman. He did performance. He's like, Freeman was amazing, incredible. Yeah. Always, you know, this is the real reason. If you watch it now, the, what I watch for most now is Robbins. Like he kept talking about how great Robbins was. <laughs> and like, maybe that is how he feels, but I feel like Robbins didn't pull any of this shit. I, like, I think Robbins definitely was annoyed at times, but he wasn't like, yeah, easier to work with. Yeah. And he keeps saying, I keep getting drawn more back into Robbins. But I feel like well, Robbins is quite good. He's fair, but I think he, very, like, you're a little biased, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. you're like, they're both great. Like, they but to keep circling back to Robbins, it's interesting. So then after this, so after Shawshank comes out and obviously has this bizarre existence where it's like a bomb, then it's like a, a award darling, well, award nominee darling. And it's like, then it's a, a huge hit. Yep. So then he does the Green Mile, which he didn't want to do. Interesting. Because it's prison again. But, oh yeah, that makes sense. But he's like, you know, he had the, you know, and, and that movie. But is, Stephen King. Stephen and, King. So he's like, so he does it, and um, we'll talk. Hopefully one day we can cover that. We'll talk more about it. But uh, that movie to me works on a lot of levels. Yeah. I think it's a very good movie. I liked it. So that that movie is very well. Um, gets the Academy Award nomination as well. And he follows it up with the Majestic, which he did not write. I know I saw that, but it was so long ago. So Jim Carrey. It's yep. very much like a Frank Capra movie, and that's what he's trying to like pay tribute to. It bombed. It's one of Carrey's first real bombs. Right. Like people say, the Cable Guy bombed. Like Majestic bombed worse um and i don't know if he's ever been the same so darabont's had a few things happen since then so he then goes on to direct the mist which yeah. he co-wrote stephen king again i saw it i didn't think it was very good but it was, it was fantastic um was it good i think the ending is amazing the most brutal ending i've ever seen in, in like from a major studio picture interesting it's uh i think it's a fantastic fantastic mm. movie um I guess it's supposed to be done in black and white, which is interesting, but uh, that comes out. It, it, Thomas Jane's in it. It, yeah. it does okay. Yeah. Um, it's not a huge hit. It does all right. It's fine. It doesn't get, you know, it's not, not an award, darling, but it does okay. Yeah. Then he does that walk. He does The Walking Dead. Yeah. First, didn't, did he actually create that? So him, well, it was a comic book. I know it was a comic first, book. Right. Robert Kirkland. Uh, it's Robert Kirkland, right? Uh, it's, I read the com- I read like, like hundreds of issues of those comics. They're really good. Yeah. And the first Season and a half of Walking Dead is fantastic. That's yeah. what Darabout oh, is in charge. 100% agree. He threw himself into it. And, you know, he comes from that Nightmare on Elm Street background, so he really knows horror. Is, like, that, that, that first season is shocking. It's, it's really like, good. It's awesome. The, his first season and a half is quite good. Um, he got fired midway the second half. Yeah. And um, this ended up really soiling his, like, his opinion on Hollywood, like the business, the show business part of it. And he ended up, I think it just got rectified like this year where the lawsuit, because Walking Dead became this monster hit. Huge hit. And so he kind of got fired. He kind of quit. AMC basically said, even though the first year it came out, it was a monster hit. Yes. Monster. Everybody was talking about it. AMC comes back the next season and says, look, we're going to do season two, of course. We want to cut the budget by 20%. Cut the budget? He's like, yeah. He's like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? And as we mentioned before, and we talked about with Shawshank, Darabont's a guy that has a very precise vision. And if you fuck with that vision, he doesn't deal well. Like, you know, he's having well, more than three to do things bl- for nine hours. Hard, hard, to bl- hard to blame him. It is, especially when it worked. Like yes. the first season worked. Right. And he keeps working with the same actors a lot of time. Um, like the lawyer in the beginning of this is like, a, I got like, I'm sorry, his last name is Damon. Mm. Um, you, you see a lot of the same characters sure. work with, the, with him a number of times. And uh, it's because they get used to his style. So it wasn't like he had a negative set. It was a positive set. People liked him. People were enjoying their time. But AMC kept trying to cut corners. Why? And you're crushing that's it. That's what you're he's AMC. saying. And they kept fighting. So Darabont believes that it was a it was a tool to get him off. They wanted to get rid of him. They could bring in their own show. And it was such a monster hit it wasn't going anywhere. And they wanted someone who would play ball. Uh-huh. I think Darabont's right. And so then the movie, the show ends up becoming this monster hit. So I think Darabont sued him for like 
tens of millions of dollars. Might and as well. I, I believe he won, or it came to like an agreement where he he walked away with. So what did, did he have a contract with him and they breached it? Is that what happened? Well, that's the fight. He, yeah, the yeah. AMC saying, "Well, you quit," and they're like, and Darren's like, "Well, no, you pushed me off. Like you made it so the work was untenable, and it, this was all a scheme. It was orchestrated." Yeah. So they had this. It went on for court for years. I said, I "Think it just got rectified." Like AMC had to pay him out. Like, yeah. I think it was like it was at least ten. It might have been tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't do movies anymore. Like he got so he hasn't done movies since two thousand seven. And uh, they asked him in that interview I, I referenced earlier, are you going to do more movies? Because he's, he's like, not that old. Is he 60s now? He was only 30, like mid-30s when uh, when Shawshank came out. Wild, yeah. dude. Like, he, you know, he's 62 now. He hasn't done a movie 15 years, so it means he stopped doing movies in his 40s. Yeah, late 40s. Like, what a shame. Like, we That's missed out on a lot. We did. Like, this guy is a really talented filmmaker. And um, so the last straw was he found an old screenplay that Stanley Kubrick had written about the Civil War. Okay. He found a producer, Ridley Scott. <laughs> and Frank Darabont wrote, like, then took this Kubrick script, rewrote it for, like, so it would work now. Um, I guess it had been, like, um, Kubrick worked, the, worked with a Civil War historian. So it's, like, I guess it's, like, accurate. I guess it's, like, a really interesting story. Yeah. No studio wanted to do it. And he, so then at that point, Darabont's like, I am done. Now, I don't know if, if they did that because of the AMC shit. Oh, because that was still going on, maybe? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. And, like, this was a guy that is, I think they see trouble. And he's not enough of a box office bankable guy where you can be like, all right, we'll put up with it. It's worth and it's it. not 1974 where you're like, all right, or 1980 where Kubrick's a crazy person, but yeah, he's trouble, whatever. We'll just let Stanley do his movies. And we'll, right. Nowadays, it's it's about, and uh, Darabin has a lot of anger toward Marvel. I'm sure he does. Those movies, uh, similar to Scorsese. Scorsese does too, anger, yeah. Very similar. Yeah. In that, like, they're not making, they're making, they're not making art anymore. They're making commercials for 12-year-old comic book collectors. And I think he's right. Yeah. And he's like, they don't, so because of that, you know, the movies are making so much money, no one's going to touch my movie. You think one of the streaming services would have do, done something with I him? I completely though, agree. Right? Or maybe like Paramount, right? Like Paramount Bring is- Bring some a, cred. Paramount is a studio that is on death's door. They are so mm. fucked right now. They, ha, they have no IP worth anything. They have two IPs. They have Mission Impossible. Yep. And they have Top Gun. And that's and all they have. milking that MI too. Like they're going to, I think they've got two or three more they have movies two that more, they're working, And right? they keep- they, the reason they keep pushing Top Gun is because that's all they have. That's all and they have. And if that doesn't work, they are fucked. Yes. And um, the guy running right now is Brian Robbins. He's the guy from Head of the Class. He was like the cool guy with the leather jacket. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, he was like kind of like the, the Fonzie of that okay. show, if you will. Um, and uh, he went on to become like a big time producer for Nickelodeon, uh, along with Brian Schneider, the fat guy. Yeah. He was a producer for Nickelodeon. And he ended up getting um, fired for like... No one really knows why. Might have been like a little too uh, like close with some of the oh. people. Like it didn't sound sexual. It sounded like he wanted to be like their friends with like twelve year olds. Is very strange. That's a little strange. Yeah, you definitely know, overstep boundaries. Yeah, you don't want to do that. And I guess it was like could be difficult on set. So, oh. uh, but back to Robin. Robin runs Paramount. They need compelling content. And like, why not be an art house? Why not make Paramount into more of an exactly. art house? You have that Godfather even, cred. Even if it's a $25 million budget or something. Why not something. make those movies? Right. Maybe the, the business doesn't allow for them. Whatever. No one's, really Scott was pissed off too because the last duel bombed and he's, he's blaming. Oh shit, he's, I want to see that movie He's blaming too. millennials. He's like, no one goes off their phone. <laughs> well, well um, you also got to change. I mean, you're 80 years old, really Scott. Like, come on. Like, He's like, they don't you gotta realize the times have changed. It makes a 14th century movie, which I want to see. But I, mean, I want to see it too. On, but like, yeah, seriously, you, I mean, why and why would Damon like? Why would uh, Damon? What's his face? Affleck. Uh, yeah, why would they sign on to that? And Driver. Well, it's Ridley Scott. I mean, I know, but well, sign on. They yeah, pay for it. Yes, but Ridley Scott. Damon Affleck wrote it. Motherfucker. Then I don't. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, that's. I mean, 
I want to. I do want to see it. I do too. Yeah. I will see it. Um, but I mean, I understand that. that so those guys are frustrated. They're like, oh, we want to make kind of these movies that, like, a movie like Shawshank would never get made today. No, it wouldn't. And that, that's the Arabian's point. It's like, it, it's because there's no room for that mid-level movie. But the thing is, it would be made in like a eight-part series. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if it would work. I don't know if they could write it that yeah, way. Eight, to make yeah, it. but you know what I mean. Like but, that's but what that's we would see. That's the only see. way it gets made. That's and the that, only and way. That, it wouldn't work. As well. Probably not. Not this, this is the greatest story. movie, like one of the greatest movies ever. Yeah, like, probably not. It wouldn't work as well. And no. like, but then you're absolutely right. So this movie never comes out in the theaters today. No, it doesn't. First time director with a $30 million say budget. Yes. A movie, it's a rated R movie for adults. Oh, it's right. It's not going to come. It's just, and you know, once again, to go back to it, I know I keep beating that drum. I'm going to keep beating it until it shows, till we don't do the show anymore. And I'm going to beat it on my next podcast too, probably. Marvel does kill this industry. And when it I does. say that, it's not because I don't like Guardians of the Galaxy. Because I don't like Guardians of the Galaxy. I do like Iron Man, but regardless, it there kills the industry limited, because it, it chokes out movies like this. Yes, there's existed. a limited amount of money. A little amount of money, a little amount of screens. Yes. So, and, and then because now we've trained the audience to only go see blockbusters because we don't put out movies like this anymore. So it's almost like it's the, you know, wag the dog. We're like, I don't know what came first here, but whatever happened is either audiences, I don't think audiences got tired of movies like Shawshank. I think studios got tired of losing money of movies that could have been that. Yep. And they don't have the patience to wait anymore. Yeah. I can understand. They have shareholders. They've got, you know, people that respond. I get it. That's why more compelling content is smaller stuff. And um, so Derek Brown's point was exactly that too, which was that like, um, look at TV, uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. These, this is art, right? This is yep. art now. It is. Um, and you look at a guy like Vince Gilligan, like incredibly talented yep. guy. You know, Vin, a guy like Vince Gilligan, that generation, they're all going to gravitate more to TV yep. because now they have the flexibility and they have the, the freedom to tell their stories. And it's actually it's less of a risk, less of a risk for the TV for TV too, or for for streaming services because yeah. they can they can commit to a season, or they can commit to right. even a few. You don't need to worry about releasing at theaters. You don't need to worry about the marketing. No, you don't. Um, you don't need to worry about uh, dealing with uh, movie theaters, movie right. houses, which which you know, or you know, is AMC gonna get pissed if I pull it? Right, because the people who are funding it are actually the ones who are gonna stream it a lot of yes. times too. Right. It's actually. And that's why Netflix can kind of do what they want. They answer to no one besides themselves. You know, that's the right. shareholders, I know. But like, you yeah. know, I mean, there's no anyone else they have to say. No, it's their own little wall. And that's garden. why it's like Dave Chappelle is able to be on Netflix because yes. there's no one else to, to answer to besides right. your own shareholders. And as right. long as they're okay with it, as long as the artists you work with are relatively okay with it, then you can yeah. keep moving ahead. And now that's not where, now there's too many options. And, and, and Netflix is trying to, you know, see what's going to stick. So they put, all, they put out a lot of bad content. Uh, no, yeah, well they, but they at chose, least they're doing content. They chose, I mean, their initial thing was they want to be HBO. So like, yes. oh, let's be House of Cards. Right. And that's, you know, but eventually they made, and you, it's very obvious if you have Netflix around like four years ago, they're like, oh, it's quantity over quality now. Exactly. Yeah. Now it's just a bunch of stuff. You're right. And it's, there's a lot of shit. But and you it can, works but, for them because you have, which is, I think is like that tiger game. I think it's stupid, right? But like that came out and that made a lot, because you're just, you're just hoping the right thing hooks. And it happened this year with Squid Game. Yep. Like Squid Game is the most watched thing on Netflix in history. I like, the, I'm not even interested. Really. I, Laura watched it. She she kind of liked it. I watched like ten minutes. I'm like, this isn't for me. Yeah. Like, but it is the most watched thing in yep. a, amount of like hours. Right. Any else? But then again, like a show like Made, I love. Yeah. So like, it's they, in my queue. I gotta watch. They have like stuff kind of for everyone, which is what movie theaters used to be. That's right. You can go see Shawshank. Well, think about '94. You can go see Lion King. You can go see Shawshank. You can go see Forrest Gump. You can go see Pulp Fiction. So like, those are four very different. They movies. really are. And now if you go see movies, which I'm going to start- It's the same audience. I'll start doing in my podcast. Right. It, uh, it's, a, it's not, I don't think it's as wide a variety, but I guess we'll, we'll find out next year. No, but it's more homogenous. More people can yeah. go and watch a, uh, a Marvel movie from a, you know, an eight-year-old person into a, to a seven-year-old person than can go see Shawshank. 
Oh, absolutely. So it's just this homogenized right. like glue. That, in uh, in, you're in a way, see. but in the real way though is that you're right from a marketing perspective. You're absolutely right. But yeah. in, in truth, you're wrong. In that Shawshank actually is the rare movie that speaks to everyone. Oh, it does. But because you're not, the themes but are so high arch. It's super rare. But you have rare. to get there. Right. You have to super like, rare. You have to walk into the restaurant. Most movies like this, most prison movies are not going to be like this. Have I mean, a lot of depth and hope and all that stuff. It's no, not. maybe. I mean, some can't, you know, whatever, you know, you're, you're probably I'm saying right. this is a gem. Like, we're talking cream of the crop but you here. Have to, you have to put out a few stinkers to get the gems. They don't want that. They don't I want know. a few sinkers. They want the blockbuster. And they're going to get burned. Actually, they got burned during COVID. They're going to continue to get burned because people are going to get sick of the. Their people are sick of the Marvel. They really are. They're not watching well, it as not, much. It's not showing up the box office. I mean, you may, you know, Spider-Man's coming in two. People losing their mind over it. It's you think not, people are going to see it? Because how many people saw the Ten Rings movie? It wasn't it did, as big. It, it did well, man. Compared to other movies out there, it's doing well, compared really to other well. movies out there, well, but yeah, but everything. I but mean, still, like, but the cost didn't change. Actually, the cost went up for these movies no, now the because co- of COVID. But, but like a movie like Glass Door or other movies have completely think the only movie yeah. that that didn't have a like a superhero IP that did well is like Halloween. Right, but it's again, it's another the IP. It's like, might as well be yeah, superhero and Michael right. Myers. I mean, like, right? I mean, it's like there's no creative. Like House of Gucci came out this week, which I really, Scott, again, I do want to see that. that I actually, want to see it. It actually did pretty well in that scope, but compared to a Marvel movie, it did terrible. I'm sure it did. Like even like these, whatever, Eternals or the Ten Rings or yeah. uh, Venom 2, whatever, Revenge yeah. of Venom, whatever right. it is. Like all these movies like destroy House of Gucci and House of Gucci did okay. Yeah. That's how no, it's going to be. It's, I think that's, but I think that's going to change. People are going to get sick of it. It's not going to, they're not going to want that anymore. You, you always say things can get better. But that's how but it always works. getting worse. No, that's how it always works in in culture and and uh, in art. People get sick of seeing the same. That's why music styles change from time to time, over time, because people get sick of it. They hear the same shit on the radio. They got sick of grunge because you got to fucking puddles of mud, which suck, are like a, the D or E level of fucking Nirvana. So they're like, okay, we're, we've... You don't need this anymore. This is bullshit. I, I hope you're right. It, that's that's what happens. I hope you're right. Um, but it might look different. It might not be in the movie. It might not be in the big screen. It might be. It might be. It might look different. It might be on your phone. It might. Be, it's gonna be different. Ugh, don't tell me that. Sorry, uh, this was oh, one last thing too. Uh, Mine at least. Uh, this was shot at a real uh, at a prison that had been recently closed for humane reasons <laughs> uh, in Mansfield, Ohio. And right. I guess now it's a tourist attraction, which is kind of cool. I, that's I, cool. I, I want to do a cross country trip one day, really badly, and I would love to stop by that. I'm not a big like. I mean, I don't mind seeing some old movie stuff. Like, I love doing the Sopranos tour. Yeah. Uh, so those rare things that really speak to me, I, I do love. And uh, this is one of those rare things that I would really I would love, love to take that tour. I yeah. would totally do I would see, But also, I would see Alcatraz, too. Well, I, me, too. And I never did when I was out there for some strange reason. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Cause well, sometimes it's hard. I've I never, just... I never went to Statue of Liberty when I was in uh, New York either. Yeah. And I, I want to go. I just, I just, it's just like... It's a whole yeah, one thing. Of those things, it's yeah. a whole day thing. You're like, right. It's different when you're visiting some You work all kinda... week. You just want to relax. Like, yeah. Right. But... Yeah, I mean, this movie is an absolute gem. Like I said, it's, it's the best movie we've ever covered. Uh, I'm going to stick with that. It's the third best movie I've ever seen. Um, but, you know, if you're like, hey, Chris, I think Pulp Fiction's better. I think The Shining's better. I completely, I, I yeah, don't have an really argument a big there. Argument that's that's there, a fine. We, we can, we, let's, let's agree on, on all those things. They're all three are just fantastic, sensational A-plus movies. Also, again, the score is amazing. Oh, it's just heart-wrenching and beautiful. Thomas Newman, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, no, no relation to your friend Randy Newman. I don't believe. I don't know. I, don't uh, I hate Randy Newman, but uh, but this Newman is much better. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is why, like, when some critics, uh, I, I feel like a little bit the barstool guys, uh, like Jeff Dio, they, those guys kind of like they give a lot of movies ninety pluses. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah, they seem to yeah. like a lot. And the Ringer, same way, they they kind of love a lot of movies. Which maybe that's that's fun for a younger crowd. I think if you do that, then that 
takes away the punch of a truly excellent movie Does. like this. You know, the ones we've covered here, you know, it, it's rare. And we've, we've been lucky to, and I, obviously I pick this week for a reason. We've been lucky to run into a lot of great movies. We really have. Um, but even so, I mean, you have to sift through some of the, you know, well, just like, and, just like Andrew Dufresne. We have to wade through, you know, a, f- a river of shit, a, a river of Alvin the Chipmunks. <laughs> and uh, what was the recent one we just did? Uh, that was so terrible. Oh, um, I mean, we've done. I try to block these things out. I know we've done. Uh, oh, the the grudge. The grudge. Like you got to wade through. Yeah. Uh, to uh, face off all yeah, of that, that's yeah. the shit that man I have to wade through. And when we get to the end. It's like oh Shawshank. Yeah. That, a Shawshank, a Pulp Fiction, a The Shining, and it's it, it's like a great relief. But washed clean. Yeah, I never, I never see those guys who just kind of love ever or, or generally like like everything. Here's the thing, it's like, it must be a great way to live. If, I mean, if you have even a slightly critical eye, you realize that move, making movies is hard yes. and they're going to make mistakes or there's going to be things that don't quite add up. It's hard to have a script that is fl- like flawless. Like everything makes sense. Everybody, everything is, is well written. The script is unbelievable. The acting is unbelievable. This might, this might it's be. It's shot unbelievable. I mean, you can't like how it's hard yeah. to make a movie. And so and to, most, to knock it out of the park, and this is one of the best scripts ever. Not the US, but one of the best no, ever. No, it's awesome. This is one of the best shot, like like uh, yes. Deacons and Darabont. The stuff they did here is amazing. Just that shot, I get chills every time. I see this movie a fucking hundred times. Yeah. When uh, the warden throws the rock to the poster. Yes. And you see it. Like, I get chills every time. I get chills when Andy's in the thunderstorm. Yes. And I almost cry or do cry every time Red's on the bus. Yes. And he talks about how excited he is. I'm yeah. Like, cause you know, cause you know that he's going to see him soon. It's, it is. And it's such a great movie about friendship. Um, and, um, just like bonding through a tough experience and, and all of those things. And just like, I don't, I, people say male friendship isn't shown. I think it is shown in, in, in some movie. like swingers came out a couple years later, which is a great right. movie. I think that shows male friendship in a different way. It does. Um, uh, and, and this movie really shows a kind of this friendship through enduring the worst pot besides like yeah. being in war, like the worst right. possible environment. Yes. But it's also stuff like some of it's self-inflicted, you know? It so is. then you have like kind of that guilt run through it. Yeah. Um, and Morgan Freeman is such a great actor. You, it's all kind of on his face and yeah. it's all in like the texture of he's his phenomenal. speech. He's done some bad, stupid movies. He's too good for some, some of those, like whatever with the, 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 um, asteroid movie that we did oh, yeah. deep impact <laughs> deep impact the part of the problem too is though like he got famous too old i know he was right? like, I mean, he's on yeah. electric company and stuff which is you know but even then he's good but he didn't like street he was in street smart until he was like in his like his like 50s right yeah, he's so like you know when you peak that or late 40s i think but when you peak that late you got to kind of cash in when you that's can. true um but he's so talented like tim robbins meanwhile you know he did some stuff obviously after this and then you know directed and then uh underwhelming career I agree, because then he does... Uh, Jacob's Ladder was earlier than this, right? This, almost all of his great movies were earlier, yes. except for Mystic River, which I know that's a great movie, but he won nice. the Oscar for that. I think, yeah. Which, I don't know if he... That's kind of a... It's a little bit of a goofy performance. Yeah, I can see that. It's a little much. Yeah, I can see it. Um, but I actually like that movie more than I should. I, I like wouldn't mind cover the show. I feel like I'm too kind to that movie. I don't know if I love Robin's performance there, but it's it's interesting. But the fact that like he didn't even get a nomination for this, I'm kind of able to, even though it's not how it should be, I'm able to kind of like, all right, be okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that he. I mean, looking looking at the this other, he's only Oscar for one. He only been nominated twice, once for directing. So I don't mind mm, that he got one. Yeah, he's a better actor than that. He should have he should have been I nominated agree. a few times. Yeah, and now he doesn't really do any. Like, he hasn't really he done anything of well, he's any not, real importance. I mean, he's kind of he's not the best looking guy, so it's hard to it's hard to be the lead 
in some stuff. Like Hudsucker Proxy is an odd movie and he's the lead in it. He's, he's, he's handsome enough, isn't he? Eh. He's, he's a and there was a baseball movie he did. Bull, Bull uh, Durham. Bull Durham, of, of course. course. Yeah. Um, was it a baseball movie? Yeah, did? Bull Durham. <laughs> yeah, a little one. You may have heard of it. Uh, no, I mean, he's definitely. Um, this is probably his best performance. I mean, he's, he's awesome here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this he's is so much, good. This just, is much better than Mr. Grover. A lot, Grover lot more subtle. He's, uh, he's really good. He is. Yeah. The only problem is some of this stuff is so. Uh, problem. I know. I know I'm, I'm nitpicking here. Some of it is telegraphed by the expedition because he's like, oh, then a wry smile appears on his face and we see him with a wry smile. But like, he has to own, like you have, he has to own it. And he has to be, sort of has to be a, like a role model in this movie, and, but be detached. Like we're detached from, we're not seeing it from his perspective. We're, we're, he's, he's our friend. So some people, some critics feel this way and I can kind of see where they're coming from. But, and so critique of this movie mm. is that they feel that character's like the Christ figure. And I don't know. Is that a problem for you? I think he, but he does do stuff. He justifies some things. Like he is helping the warden defraud um, mm-hmm. the taxpayers. Yep. Uh, and he justifies it. I mean, he's also. He's kind of forced to though. He is. No, I, and that. What's no. the other option? I agree. I think he has to. And, but he's doing it to get a better life. Uh, I don't think he's a Christ figure. I mean, he does thing. He does buck the system a bit when he plays the music. It's not like he's. But it's still a hero. It's not like it's all still a hero move though. Yes, to, to in some respect, but he's the only like one that paid a price for it. He is. That's true. Um, he's not a turn the turn the cheek guy, though. That's not what happened. I mean, he fights back. He does. I don't know. Maybe a lot of hero. I don't know, but he he gets so beat up. I I, I don't. But it's Christ. Yeah, but Christ has turned the cheek. It's. I think it's different. I have no problem with it. Doesn't bother me. I'm not going to justify it. I don't mind him. And it's also how we see him, and Red sees him. And his and the people in prison see him versus like you know they need a role they need a role model they need someone to remind them of their humanity. It's a great point. Like Matt, Matt made a great point there, and and it's what makes this movie interesting to watch and maybe more compelling to watch is that this like we talked about earlier. This is a rare movie where you're seeing it from somebody else's perspective. We're seeing the main character. We're seeing we somebody else's somebody's story from, from the point of view of somebody else. Which and I think you're right. I think Red loves Andy so much that Andy may have flaws. You're talking about being a bad husband, or whatever, but like, you know, no, it's no, kind no, of, no. A, yeah, 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 that, that was, yeah. Uh, but Andy may have flaws, but Red cares about him so much that he's kind of sees past those. He does. And, and, and maybe there are other stories that Red forgets to tell that Andy maybe wasn't as perfect. Right. Um, and maybe he did get frustrated or angry at times. We, we just didn't see that. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a fair point. Um, I, and I'm being, I'm being ultra critical here. This, like I said, this is a, a this is just a, a, beautiful movie that doesn't shy away from how dark prison is and it's fearless and it's cinematography like Deacon's point of view it allows us to sit it because we're able to sit it you can find beauty in other ways you can I mean you can find beauty in a guy crawling through sewage in this movie which is amazing yeah but like even just the way the, the prison shot or uh, that great shot when you see the prison overhead the oh, first the time when you get a lay of the it land it's been a crane it obviously wasn't a I was wondering there. I was thinking about that too I was like how do you fucking do that at the time but it was a crane would be weird because it was so far away. But we did no drones then. Like you would do that with a drone a, now. You would have saw the shadow of the helicopter. I, I don't understand how. I don't they know got how they did shot. it either. It's a crazy shot. It's a great shot. Yeah. Um, because it, you know, and that prison feels because it must have been such a recent prison. It feels so real. And they shot a lot of movie in that town of Ohio. Like they shot a lot of the other stuff mm-hmm. there. Um, which is which is interesting. Um, to use Ohio in that way, it's too bad it wasn't done in Maine. But I know you, you understand. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, it it still feels like Maine. Yeah, it felt like a small town because a lot of a lot and of Maine has cold. that small small town. Yeah, it does. You know, it feels 
unforgiving. Yeah, like I main want, main winners feel a little bit. And yeah, because no you do see I know, that. But like, right. But you, other like that when that wind kind of cuts through you, yeah. like it felt like that there. Yeah. Not the weather we're having like right now. Like, I can get like unseasonably. Imagine being out in the prison yard and that. Like that's not great. No. There's no. No. You're only blocking it's the wall. Now you're just hitting. It's just hitting you, and you have nowhere to go. Yeah, I think it looked right. Felt right. Great movie. Great Absolutely movie. If you haven't seen it, you got it. Like, here's, oh, what are you doing? It's fucking, you, you've all seen it. this. Yeah. Crazy. If you haven't seen it, let us know. Yeah, what are you I'm doing? actually curious if you haven't seen it. Maybe if you, I, yeah, I mean, everyone's seen this. My ex-girlfriend's parents never gave it a shake after. I'm sure they gave it a watch. I, hopefully they did. But I was like, no, it's about hope. And I remember her dad was like, is there any hope for this movie? Because <laughs> all the swearing, the sec- like the beginnings, that's yeah. sexual. It's a little graphic. You don't see anything. But no, you some do. rough content. But yeah, some r- yeah. a little bit right there. But I was like, I saw this in English class, and they didn't believe me. They're like, there's no way they would have shown this to you in English class. This is oh. rated R. I'm like, oh, I saw tons. Of, I mean, I took a film class in yeah, high school. Yeah, right. I was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, sure. I'm not lying to you about this. Yeah. Sorry, I brought this home for your daughter, but it's about hope, motherfuckers. Wow. So I said, mm. so the M, I dropped the MF. I got it. No, I did. Polite to family. Uh, anything else on this movie? No. Um, shall we talk two tours? We should. You never press start on this button. Huh? No, I know, but I got uh No, you've just been talking into the abyss forever. No, I got it no, over here. I, I should have. Well, the reason I, I did, I checked the time, you know. I wanted to let you go a little bit today. It's your birthday, buddy. I, I like to see the time, though. <laughs> Keeps mm-hmm. me in check. Yeah, but you haven't. You didn't look? Well, I don't do it until after the movie's over. Oh, yeah, is that what you do? That's your first time. Yes. We're, uh, we're like a buck ten. Really? Yeah, of we course. We went 70 on Shawshank? Yes. Oh, really? But it's your birthday. Got to do it. People must, and people love this movie. Yeah, they do. 70 on Shawshank, huh? It felt fine. Well, no headlines today thanks to Corona. So <laughs> yeah, we actually you know we got to talk. There was two tours. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, two tours. Yeah, I got to bring back up, again. I got to bring up this dragon fruit thing, man. Have you been on those? Because you did mention it at the live show, right? So, so two tours gave me that uh, that blunt that I gave away. Yeah, and uh, the uh, there was some, a vape. Oh, vape, vape. I think vape. it was a vape. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. And I think I was supposed to give away the dragon fruit. No, I had no. one dragon fruit. What are you gonna do? You're gonna you're gonna I blunt that, you you at home with the family blunt. Well, no, but on the blunt and the vape, I think I'm supposed to give away all four things. I, but we know you're the gunning guy. Oh, you're supposed to give I'm that away to give too. It away, oh, I think. you weren't supposed to keep that for yourself. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're the gunning guy. I had guy. one of the dragon fruit. I'm like, no, I mean, fuck that. <laughs> fuck everybody else. I mean, this is good. So now I have like, uh, well, I actually finished one of the pouches already. So now I'm on my second pouch. Uh, <laughs> they are. I just never had a gummy taste this good. They taste fantastic. Yeah. And then on top of it, it's. It's legit. It makes you feel good. Uh, they are, it's, it's like, uh, I can't recommend enough. Check out, I think they just, I know they were doing some work on their website. I think right. when you hear this, their website is up and running. I feel like I looked, I looked right after our show and I thought it looked different. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully it is, I think it is up I think it's good. I know it was like, they still have stuff going, but I think they have the new products up there now, okay. which this line is, is sick. Some of the stuff they, I said, the vape pen, the blunt, and then the gummies are, the dragon fruit is legit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't recommend that. Enough. Have they been doing some like some crazy chemistry or something? They are working with a college. Yeah, uh, where they are, it's Tennessee, right? Right. And um, yeah, they're working like legit, like college, and they're working on on the Delta Eight stuff. Like they got all these. I don't want to say any of it, but they, I mean, they clearly have, the chemistry like, is beyond have, us. But yes. they have a whole like store, like the size of like a like a major storefront. Yeah. Where like they're in this collaboration with this college on like how to better use this delta it's, it's i don't know i don't i don't understand it i'm not gonna pretend to every time they put a new product i love it it's great the, the gummies you know we what did we start with we started with the, the sugar and the salt right sugar solve and, and you, had gummies? Gu- you had gummies re- no, the gummies pretty, came after I thought it was pretty early on pretty early yeah, on it was early but it wasn't first maybe it wasn't but the first. gummies came out yeah that was a big oh deal that's right them. they did come out yes and then we, maybe it was christmas last time 
don't know. And, I don't remember. And now but... they got this like all new like this plate, this great flavor. They got. Oh, they are growing. They are. Like when you think about like how many products they had when they first came out of this, they didn't have many, and now it's. It, it's really cool uh, to see. If, so you haven't been to the website, check it out. It's, it's, it's tutors.com. Tutors.com. Promo code keto gets you 15% that's off. That's a different thing, I too. I think it's the case until the end of the year. Yeah, so that's it was 10%, but now they're giving 15%, which is amazing. It's a huge savings. Got to, had to knock off the other podcasts who are trying to, well, trying to steal any, it from us. I don't know else is going on to the podcast, but <laughs> that's being the clown again. No surprise. Uh, but with us... QW. I just think they like 15%. us the best. That's all I'm saying. I don't, I don't you don't think that's the case? All right, whatever. Fine. But tutors.com, QW is the promo code. You get 15% off. It delivers right to your door. Don't have to go anywhere. You get amazing products that we love. It tastes great. It tastes great that everybody who's ever, we have a bunch of people who have commented to us who have said, I love the tutors project. I've tried products. I've tried them on your suggestion. I love them. We love them. That's never hear anything bad about their stuff at all. People love them. Our favorite sponsor. The best. Yeah. All right. All I Want to Do by Cheryl Crow off of her first album. Um, it's, of course, the Tuesday Night Music Club album. She later does her second album called Cheryl Crow. Makes sense why that happens, which we'll get into uh, for a minute. This is her highest charting song ever at number two. Yeah, number one. This, the reason I didn't do number one is the Boys to Men. Boys to Men. Make love to, which uh, we already covered. Yes, exactly right. Show, so. But this was still a huge hit. This album was a huge hit for yeah. her. Sold something like 8 million copies. Took her from... She was budding. Like, it was going to happen. She was on like tour with Michael Jackson doing backups and backups on a bunch of other songs, writing jingles that were sold to McDonald's for $40,000. She was like on the scene and doing stuff and it was just- Still late though. She's still in her thirties. Like it happened late for her. She was uh, born in 62. So 72, 82, 32. 92. Yeah. So 32 years yeah. old. Right. It did happen. Right. She's so a music you, teacher for a while. Yes, like this happened again. late for her. It did. Um, and I think part of it is because she wasn't in LA the entire time and now she is. And so- uh, what happened was she got introduced by her boyfriend, um, Kevin Gilbert, to this group of musicians and producers who would get together weekly and write songs. And that's what this was called. It was called the Tuesday Night Music Club. And they were just- Did you ever belong to a, a music club like this? No, I would write with band, like bands and like- Yeah, like, you like do like a weekly- like no, but I think it's a good idea, particularly if you have like a lot of connections. I think it is in too. LA. Actually, I'm kind of being a little jokey here, but I think I actually if you've got a studio, like having a, an, a weekly commitment where other people depend on you, yes, that can you come drive in, creativity. You, you, like, and, yeah, yeah, you work, you work yeah. it together, and because you know, because she was selling songs to, they were selling songs to other artists too. It uh, later on, kind of after this, I think they were all sort of budding at this time. Although they'd all done some stuff, Gilbert in particular, who I'm going to focus on in a minute, but. Um, but uh, but yeah, so, so I think it's a good idea because then you might write something that you could sell to someone, like someone who would, maybe you don't have the singer or the chops or the, it's not the right material for you as a band to do. But they're all great musicians. They're all over this album. And um, I like this song. It's like, it's just, we've heard it a million times, but it's actually, it's a super peppy song. The drum beat's amazing. The production's amazing. You know what I like to compare this to? 
is the fucking Clapton album that we did. What was that, oh. last week or whatever? Yeah, like if promises, you list, prom- on, on, promises is a good song. Yeah, yeah, we, we, that we album, that uh, song, but we did not like it's the album. It's so dreadful. Yeah. Like it's so low energy and lethargic yeah. and shitty. That is not this album, and that is no. not this this song. No. Like it is high energy, orchestrated super well. It's really well, well done. Um, I'll say this: if you count just the number one songs that we're forced to do, yeah, okay, this is one of the best. I would say so. Yeah, it's a well done song. I mean, I, it's not my style. No, it's I'm not. I'm not saying there is a uh, Sheryl Crow song. Um, there goes the neighborhood, uh, which is off of uh, the Globe one. Sessions, which is my favorite Sheryl Crow album. I, actually, it's a very good album. That's it's, a top 100 song for me. Is it? I really love that song. This I is, gotta listen to that. This is nowhere near that for yeah. me. Um, but um, there is. But this whole album has a lot of like B B minus songs. It really but, does. Like, for a no, like like Matt and I, Matt and I always run into, we always run into these like horrible like number ones are always it's like it's a real pain to do this is a pretty i know it was number two but this is pretty good i think it's really good uh um, yeah me too my my favorite song though is um off is actually album? is strong enough oh, i know I, it's my favorite I agree. it's my favorite oh, but, crow song oh, but, but i don't know that album. one I'll, I'll check that yeah i'll check that one out the Globe session thing is really good i guess it's like a legitimately like really good album um I'll check I, it out. on this album i agree with you strong enough is the best Beautiful song. Strong enough is a lot like the stuff that almost should be on the Globe Sessions. Oh, a really? lot of the stuff sounds more like that. It's more acoustic, laid back. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't have to do too much. There are a couple ballads. See, Cheryl Crow is not a strong singer. She has a hard time with intonation. She's got a very yeah. nasally voice. It's funny that she was doing backups on stuff. She's such a pretty girl that I wonder if that's part of it. Like she, she can, she can sing. It's fine. But she's not. She's not an off the charts singer. Like you wouldn't. I don't think she's a very good singer. She's not. But she has a lot of character in her she voice. She does. She works well. That's the thing. She can sell. This is a rambly song. Oh yeah. And it like I mean, it's, she, really, it's a bait from a pole. It is. I mean, it's but she sells it. She makes it work. She really does. Hard to do. She has character. She seems like when you hear her, you can hear her having fun with the music. Yeah. Like you can like literally like hear it as she sings. But like, if you, I was actually really like focusing on her singing. And I went through a couple other songs and I was like, she actually kind of sucks. This She's year. not a good. But like the other stuff works. It you know, does. It, like the character, the uh, like this, you can hear how great the musicians are on this yes. album. They, like, they are for like fantastic. A pop album, they're like really good. You have a killer slide guitar player. I don't know. Uh, actually, I do know who he is, but um, I don't think that I grab. Oh, who's playing the the pedal steel? It's uh, Bill Botrell, who's one of the the writers of the song too. Is playing the lap steel guitar. You you probably see it. Is it in this video? I think you see it with a guy with a with this this yeah, guitar string thing. And he's yeah, playing a slide with yep. his right hand. That lap steel. I love the sound of a lap steel so much. Such a beautiful, beautiful song. You make it sing, and he just he rips it on this. The drummer on this song is. Fucking awesome! It's just this peppy drum beat that it it's it's not that too much. There, it's not too much. The drum that's how the drumming is in this entire album. It is. It's actually really good. It's uh, really and good. It's never like overbearing. You almost kind of forget the drums are there, but then if you listen to him, you're like, oh no, they're really good. Like, they're super he's good. Really, he's really good. He has a, just a just a sick feel, sick beat. His is name really is prof- Brian McLeod. For someone's first album, this feels super professional. And it's because they're all kind of ringers. Oh, they've all been doing stuff. They're older. And they're, I mean, older. they're all in their thirty, right? Like, or you know, what I mean, they've all been doing it a while. This wasn't slapped together by some 21 year It was not. Like, no, this these are like, professional musicians yeah. writing professional songs. Yes. So, like I said, she got introduced um, to this session by her boyfriend at the time. His name is Kevin Gilbert. Now, Kevin Gilbert is a really sad story. Did you read any uh, stuff about it? Well, I knew, I knew him a lot, like a long time ago. because So, Kevin Gilbert um, was in a bunch of different bands. He's a highly respected musician. Um, and he brings her into this group. It's, it's, he's, he's part of this group. Uh, and... They realize, I don't know what it is. It's, it can't be like 
how awesome she is as a, uh, with a vocalist. But she's got something. She has charisma and all sorts well, of beautiful. stuff. She and she's beautiful. She's beautiful. And you're like, okay, character. let's use these songs to build her album. So that it becomes about her. But, um, but she kind of burns them. Sounds like she burns them. Yeah. I think she does this a couple times. Actually, there's, a, there's other parts of, of her life that kind of makes I me agree. side with them. I think you're right because look, look at her now. I mean, she's, lives, I mean, look at her now. I, I, you know, I, I don't really know what's going on, but it seems like she just lives alone with her two adopted sons, which exactly. is fine. Um, but nothing wrong with that. But it seems like she's had a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of like burned bridges or, or things that just didn't turn out right yes. in her past. Right. It's like a trend of it. So it's very clear that these were a collaborative songs. Like the writers on this are Cheryl Crow of this song, David Bearwald, Bill Botrell, and Kevin Gilbert. So, and a lot of the songs are like that. But when, when this album comes out and she goes fucking like, you know, she is super famous yes. from this. Um, the album's not neat. The album is called what their thing is, but it's not like they're not a band. It's called Cheryl Crow. Yes. And then she starts telling people. And she's focused, all the marketing's focused, focused on her. Focused on her. I mean, she's beautiful too. It makes that's sense. That's what I mean. Like the second that the video is very focused on, like it is. watching the videos, like she, I, I remember living this time for you too. Yes. When this came out, it wasn't the Tuesday Night Music Club. It no, was Cheryl it was Crow. Cheryl Crow. Like the radio DJ said Cheryl Crow. And she's telling stories about, like Leaving Las Vegas. That's a good song too, yeah. which is on this album. It's a good song. She's tell, she performs it on Letterman. And she tells Letterman that it's based on like her experience, but it wasn't. It was based on a book by a novelist who's friends of the band. And she, she was just taking credit for things that weren't hers or just hers. And so the band got ticked about this and there were fights over song credits at the end of this. And I think it got worse be- with Gilbert um, and her because they were they were together, mm. and so that made them split. It was very acrimonious, um, very destructive. And what ends up happening is she goes on. We'll talk about Gilbert in a second, but she goes on and releases her second album. It's called Cheryl Crow, which mm, a little bit of a red flag there. She produced it herself. It's most of her songs. Only one guy with went with her from. For, it was one of the producers went with her on that album, and he got burned afterwards. He got he got pissed off because she she wasn't sharing song credits when she probably should have. So he bailed on her. The last of the Tuesday Night Music group bailed on her after the second. Well, album. Well, let me stick up for Cheryl Crow. Okay. okay, so that album was a monster hit too. It was big. Yeah, she, there's some good songs on there. And so maybe it was her all. You know, like she yeah. her career wasn't like she just had that one album. Like I, I think her best album is the third one, the Go Possessions, and that that had nothing to do with the Tuesday I Night Music. I that club. one. Like she, you know, she still had a, a string of albums. I mean, not not anymore, but. You know, she had a good string around, a good ten-year run. She did, yeah. And, she had, and, and a bond, right? And the Bond song, and and a bunch of now, stuff. Now, obviously, right? Which is actually, I think, a lot of songs. It's not. It's one way. of the worst ones. Oh uh, yeah, I agree. It's, yeah, it's, it's not good. Actually, but and still, I she really got like it. Bond songs. That's Me sucks. too. Um, but this is, I but I guess to your point though, this is her best, most. I don't know. This this is this is this is the first album I think of when I think of her. That had her biggest hit. It had four and it had four that that hit the Hot 100. Four yeah, songs. Yeah, like, like legitimately hit. Yeah, like like legitimate. Yeah, got radio airplay. And yeah, like she's. But but if it was, I think she had a big part in this. But maybe maybe I it wasn't did. all her because she did go on to have a nice career. Absolutely, she did. But I mean, she's also super pretty and the face of this thing. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't marketed as this band. It's it was different. Not. But no doubt had the same thing too, where you had Gwen Stefani. Like there were definitely riffs in that band because Gwen was put front and center. And it makes sense. She's a beautiful woman, like super charismatic. It makes sense. Then other, you know, there's three other guys who are right. just kind of whatever. But but and they're decent players and everything. But I I don't know. I so I feel like she took that attention and was like, I deserve this and moved on. Um, and then, I mean, then later on, she, she's like in a relationship with people like Lance, like Lance Armstrong, one of the biggest liars and frauds ever. It's like, how do you, 
make that your partner. I just there's there's enough there where I'm just kind of strange. It's definitely like Cheryl Crow. Uh, yeah, and like you know, yeah, she she's an interesting character. I, I'd love I'd love for her to like tell you know sit down for a real interview with someone and actually just be a completely honest. But I don't I don't think we'd ever really get that. Yeah, honestly. So Gilbert. Yeah. Um. So he's found dead on May seventeenth, nineteen ninety six. And auto, it was autoerotic asphyxiation, from what they can tell. It, uh, he basically hung himself, but it didn't look like he did that on purpose. Uh, he was found in his, I don't know, his L.A. home. The same thing they got, Carradine. The same thing they got, uh, what was it, the lead singer of Excess, right? Yes, exactly right. So, Hutchins, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, these guys, you know, I guess it feels good to get off when you're Haven't when done you're it, but, uh, but maybe we'll try later on. Yeah, I was a kid. Uh, I think it happened in a town near mine when I was around... Like around my age. How old were you when that happened? Or how old? Oh, I'm sorry. I was like 12 or 13. And this, when he did it, was he 12 or 13? Yeah. Years? So, Jesus Christ. Yeah. My, like, that's some like, fucking hardcore shit as a 12 or 13 year old. I know, right? And my dad, like, <laughs> had to talk with me about it. He's like, do not, he, he got scared because, you know, I'm the same age. And he's like, don't do it. Like, don't do that. Can you imagine a debt? Like, I would never expect a 12 or 13 year old to even think about Re- really, yeah. something like that. To so, know what okay. that would He's like, yeah, he's like, what, yeah, just stay away from don't that. Don't do shit. that. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I've never, I, that to me is, is terrifying. I mean, it must be, obviously, it's probably a lot of stuff going on to make someone want to do that. Uh, sure. But he was, so he wasn't, uh, he was, I think he's just uh, uh, maybe a couple years younger than Cheryl Crow. But the thing, that's how I know Gilbert. It's he, um, he was in a, he did a bunch of uh, music early on instead of, uh, including uh, with his band Giraffe, he did the entirety of Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. The Genesis album, uh, one of Peter Gabriel's last, after uh, selling England by the Pound. So he performs this, and at this time, Genesis is looking. I did it again. This time, Genesis is looking for a new lead singer. Um, oh wow! Yeah, because but they uh, were on the way out, though. I mean, I say, oh wow, but is that? Yeah, but still, oh okay, but still, yeah. And he loved, like, he loved oh, yeah. Peter Gabriel. Yeah. He loved Genesis. And so Gilbert's manager sent a copy of that recording, that live recording of him doing the entirety of Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. And he does it well. He does other covers that are hard, um, like Steely Dan covers. I know you're not your favorite, but they're hard to do. I've seen live footage of him doing it, and he knocks them out of the park. Like, he's a super talented motherfucker, and he's got a great voice. You can tell a little bit of the, the Peter Gabriel in him, too, just with his voice. It's not as raspy. But his manager sent a copy to Tony Banks and Mike Rutherford. Um, here, you're looking for a new singer. And um, they got back to him after he died. Oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. Because he, he might have gotten that gig. Yeah. Heartbreaking. I, it is sad. It's it is sad. very sad. The only thing, too, is I was thinking about just from a financial element, like, he wrote, uh, like, a lot of the songs on he this did. album. Yep. Like, he would have been rich forever. Like, the resi- these songs still play all the time. Like, yep. you know, it, he would have got residuals forever. I know. Um, he really, yeah, he really, really would have been able to do whatever he wanted. You had to hit a really, obviously, it sounds like a bright career in front of him, but also, like, Finances would have been, oh, I don't know, she really booed that money by. I mean, it was just, it seems like he had everything, everything going for him. Right. Yeah, it's 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 sad. It's yeah. sad. I think he was maybe 30, it was a couple years younger. Younger guy, yeah. Yeah. Wild. That's yeah. too bad. Um, But that's pretty much it, I think. She's a little exposed. There are some, there's a ballad on here in particular where you hear, and it, you know what she reminds me is a little bit Elvis Costello-ish, mm. um, where 
it's nasally, like it's hard, not the strongest, not the best intonation, but a lot of personality. Like yeah. I, I really like Elvis Costello, but kind of sort of reminds me yeah. a little bit of that. It's not a bizarre comp, but not wrong. Yeah. She needs to be peppy. Uh, she needs to She's be, a much better singer than Elvis Costello is, but Elvis Costello has like so much personality. He has a lot of personality. <laughs> no. No, I liked it. Even the Burt Baccarat stuff, I really liked him doing that. That's a, that's way more about. Yeah. He could sell that. He could make it work. Um, where I don't think that she could. But uh, and she was on Cop Rock too. The last episode of Cop Rock came back again. Right. Uh, one of the last directors we just saw also was on. Was directed Cop Rock. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were obsessed with that. I forget who it was. So it was really Bosch, it was Bochco's yeah, show though. I mean, I know we had that one direct direct episode. That was Bochco's baby. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, it was written. The song was a poem. This poem called "Fun" um, by Win. This guy Win, and um, so she she claimed that she found this obscure book of poems in this bookstore in California, right. but it wasn't her. It was one of the, she claimed that, but it was another one of the uh, members of the band that claimed that too. So and she then, like it. the guy that wrote it, wrote it, wrote it about his friend Bill. He wrote it sort of in conjunction with his buddy Bill. Starts right. With the R, I think and then they name. started fighting they about them. They, they were great friends and the money tore them apart. That's what happens. Get Sad, rich right? and famous. So and they got, yeah, they started fighting over who deserved more of the, the residuals from the song. Yeah. And now they, you know, I think they broke up their friendship. In some respects, I do like the idea when a band is just like, no, we're just going to split shit equitably between the, like, I think Radiohead does that. It's like, we're all just going to split shit. But then, but I also see the argument that, well, if, you know, one is the primary songwriter, you, you need them kind of all need them all to make it work. But if one's a primary songwriter, maybe it makes sense to give them a little bit more. I don't know. But it tends to tear, I think it tears bands apart. It really does. Oh, absolutely. That's too bad. Yeah. Like, particularly, it sucks too, because if you're all millionaires, I don't know. Like, what's another, if you got, if you, you have $10 million, I, I realize $2 million is a lot, but between the difference between 10 and 12 lifestyle wise, isn't that big? But I don't think this was about, this wasn't about money though. With this, it was about this credit. Situation. It was yeah. about fame and, and fame. And, what yeah. you, what, and they what were you never, your career to be in. They were never going to have it with her as a front person. I mean, she's, she's just, she's oh, right. knockout. So, right. Uh, but I think that's about it with, uh, unless you have any other thoughts on, uh, on Cheryl no. Crow. Good. This is a pretty good album. Um, yeah. Strong, uh, strong enough to be your man is a really good one. I like leaving Las Vegas. I think it's a really nice song too. Good it has song. a good groove yeah. to it. This whole album is like pretty good. Like you mentioned that battle, that battle's a little rough. I, don't, I can't defend it. But you throw this album on, have a couple drinks. It's not, it's not the worst in the world. No, throw it on. No. Oh, uh, let me. Uh, here's a slide guitar. The, the bridge is really fun. Got nice motion to it. That slide. Yeah, I like when they do it. I don't know you say it. It's the worst noise that you've ever made in the show. Yeah. Anyway, that's nice. I think, I'll never uh, be able to enjoy the song again. That's good. You ruined good. the song for me. Good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my goal in life. Ruin songs for you and our audience. Well on your way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it with uh, with Cheryl Crow. Okay. Good song. Uh, yeah, so this is... Uh, the reason I, another reason I wanted this week is because it, it kind of flies in the face of this week a little bit. Uh, so um, baseball was on strike. Um, and baseball appears to be actually by the time you hear this baseball will have already been locked out. I'm feel, I feel pretty confident saying that the lockout's going to, we're taping this on a, on a Tuesday. The lockout's going to happen on Thursday. It will happen by the time you hear this baseball will still be locked out on Saturday. It's going to be locked out until probably February. Okay. So don't expect any, any real base. I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully, uh, you know, Chris was hashtag Chris was wrong. So no deals during lockout. No, you like the Mets don't have a manager right now. Right. But they'll be able to go get a manager. Oh, okay. But you can't do any player transactions. As long as a player was on a roster, a major league roster last year, uh, they are frozen. Um, so, uh, yeah, honestly, if, if the lockout is resolved January 27th, it honestly doesn't matter at all. Like this is just, it's just, it's who cares? It's two yep. months of nothing. Anyway. Yep. 
when you start bleeding into February 1st, that's when you should start, if you're a baseball fan, get nervous. And then if it goes into like February 15th and people start losing spring training games, that means owners losing revenue. Right. And that also means players have less, less time to prepare for the season. And then things get sloppy and messy and that's not good. I do think I'm being, maybe you'll put, hear this. Uh, if you know, if you're listening to this late, maybe you'll think I'm an idiot. I do think this will be resolved by January, by February 1st, um, because there's no one major issue. So mm-hmm. the reason the strike happened in 94, which we're going to get into right now, uh, uh, is that it was uh, because of the salary cap. Owners were demanding a salary cap. Players were saying, no way. And players obviously won. We still don't have a salary cap to this day. Yep. Owners are not asking well, first. Well, kind of though, because of the luxury, the luxury tax. Luxury tax and a salary cap are two entirely different things. Because you can't spend, I know. It's a very different thing. Yeah. Um, uh, this is, you know, you're literally limited. Yeah. But the salary cap is really, is, is obviously, it's done for a reason. It's to limit, it's to limit a number of things. Like the Max Scherzer deal never happens with a salary cap. Yeah. The one that just happened this yeah. week. Because Cohen's like, fuck it, I don't care about the luxury tax, I'll pay it. Right. But Cohen, if the NBA owner, literally cannot do that because yeah, he's restricted by a cap. 50% of my salary for this year, I can't do that. Or 30% of my salary. Well, that's, a, that's a luxury tax. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, I see what you're yeah, saying. You know right, 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 like, right. No one's going right, to wait. Right, right, right. right. Um, so, uh, there's no one major sticking point. There's a number of things that, oh, how much service time should you have before you're a free agent? That's yep. one thing they're fighting about. Or, uh, uh how do we resolve, uh, the drafting? The, the, the players are mad that teams are tanking on purpose. Therefore they're not spending money on players, which they're right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the owners have acquiesced like, Hey, well, we did a lottery. I think you're going to see a, a draft lottery in baseball, which is kind of fun. I, I love draft lottery. So, um, so they, it sounds like some of those issues the service time thing is a real thing. There's some other things that, sure. that, that players want. Um, they are, and I think players feel like they got screwed over the last, well, they did get screwed over the last CBA. And then before that, they probably didn't do too well either. So I think they're like, we want some blood now. Yeah. We, we definitely come want something on, on our hands that, that is worth something here. We want to come out the same with the W. I think they'll work it out. I said, there's no major issue and there's so much money at stake. And honestly, if they don't, if they don't have any players around, there's too much, who cares? It's Christmas. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Um, but if it's February 3rd, Seventh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'll be really upset. Um, but for me at this time, I was very upset. So my dad died December thirteenth. We are in, I think, the second week of October. Um, he had been given a death sentence back in January, so we knew, and he was at this point completely bedridden. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's like, oh, if you're me and you're fourteen, about to fifteen, it's like, well, the one thing I have in my life is baseball. <laughs> so then there's no world series because of the strike. Right. So I spent this entire week watching Ken Burns baseball, the baseball documentary on PBS, which was a huge like lifeline for me. Like it gave me something to look forward to for nine or another eight episodes. Right. I think they just come out with like that ninth inning or they're nine. They come out with the 10th inning. I don't know. They're eight or nine episodes. I would go, I would be like looking forward to it like every day. Like yeah. it gave me whatever that week and a half was. It gave me a real something to look forward to. And I think, you know, back then, especially those are pretty well produced. I tried rewatching them again a couple of years ago. They're on MLB Network all the time. It's so slow; they don't really hold up. I can't mm. imagine any younger. I mean, Ken Burns documentaries are slow anyway. Yeah, but it does feel, unless you're really like, strapped in, ready to go. Like I can't imagine anyone under thirty watching these. Like, there's no way. I think Ken Burns is going to be a outdated relic. I mean, if he's not already, but like I just think his stuff. Unfortunately, the Civil War documentary is great. Yeah, uh, he did a really good documentary on the Roosevelts, Franklin, uh, and Theodore. And like their like their lives, um, which is really interesting. But like, if you're not really strapped in, ready to go, or really, really into fan, the subject, yeah, has he right? Like he did one on jazz, which I've never yep. seen. I saw that one. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, did. I mean, I like Civil War. I liked baseball. And I liked jazz. Yeah, those are probably his three most famous. I think. Yeah. I think that's the one that Bobby McFerrin's in as well. He's in the jazz one. I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so and like Matt loves jazz, so like yeah. that's right up his alley, right? Yep. So like that that makes sense. So but like that, but that was still twenty uh, twenty five years ago. I, I don't know, twenty years ago. But okay, I'll ask you this: yeah. Can you imagine a twenty five year old? I mean, the 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 subject matter hasn't changed. It's still you know just like the baseball stuff hasn't yep. changed. It's still right. still true. Can you imagine a twenty four year old watching that jazz documentary now? I can't. It's just a shame, right? Because I'm sure you loved it. I yeah. love the baseball one, right? Um, but. You know, not even the length of it. Even if you broke, like the PBS was smart. They broke up the baseball one in nine innings or whatever, right? So I, or each one was like an hour and a half or two hours. Um, so it did feel palatable. But the idea of like someone sitting down watching that, how slow it moves, how slow the subjects speak. In our universe now, things moving so fast. I just no can't way. imagine it. Mm-mm. I mean, we talked about Kramer versus Kramer on this show and how it really does hold up just the way it's edited. It's it so does. crisp. Obviously, Shining holds up too. That's different. But like, you know, some stuff from older times older times some stuff from the past does hold up well Shawshank is slower paced too yeah but uh, Shawshank is edited really crisply it is and because time moves so fast and then also because everyone's wearing uniforms you don't I know it's taking place in the past even when you watch the first time it took place us it doesn't feel the past no it doesn't because there's no music right it could be and other than the the kid who's like the the Fonzie greaser, greaser character uh, which is awful. Um, other than him, but I know this. He's also written like that in the book, so I get it. But other than the poster changing, time doesn't move, and I think because of that, it never feels dated. With the it's baseball true. one, I know it's also the past, but it's all about time. Yeah. How time moves, but it moves so slowly. Which is just, I, I would love to. I hope one day I have a kid, and that kid wants to has attention span to want to watch that documentary, but I can't imagine that's realistic. You need a kid who likes to read. If a kid likes to read, I think you can have them watch documentaries like that. Because they're used to, you, you, know, right. you know what I mean? They're used to like the imagination. I can't imagine part. anyone like when, that when, doesn't enjoy reading to enjoy Ken Bird's documentary. Yeah, no way. But the con- like the content, how it is right now, does not allow you to think in between the spaces. That's the thing. It's like you don't get to reflect. You're just bombarded now. So you need- There's a lot of reflection in Ken Burns stuff, isn't there? There is. Yeah. yeah. It's all about reflection. Yeah. Because the subjects will say something and then he almost gives you a break to when like, yeah. all right, I'm taking what he, he's subjects giving me. And now I'm putting it into my own perspective. And it's like a beat. And then it goes on to the next. And then you hear the banjo play, whatever the, the song is. I find this is happening to me now. Like I'll put my, my little earbuds in when I take a shower. It's like I want content when I'm doing things like taking a shower now. And it's like, it used to be that I could just like let my mind rest. You, should, you shouldn't do that. It's dumb. I know. Like I need to stop. I need to I've done let it my mind rest. a couple times in the last month with podcasts or yeah. whatever. I'll just throw them on. And I have like, there's like a shelf in my my shower and I'll yeah. throw the phone there and I'll just, uh, but you know, I'm like, I don't, it's like, just let, let the brain I actually rest. usually use that time to think about what I'm doing this show. Like, all right, like how am I going to right. like structure this argument or how am I going to structure this, this opinion that I have yeah. or whatever is going on in my day in the morning. And I'm just thinking about like, all right, here's what I have to do today. It's like everyone, I'm sure everyone else needs the same thing, but right. The second you start flooding your mind with, you never give, and you, you, never give you that reset button. And I, for me, for work, my work is creative. So I am focusing on a project that I'm doing and I, I have to pay, a, you know, pretty strict attention to it. And then if you don't give your mind any time to breathe or reflect, like you're just, it's, that's just a, it's just a waste. So I think if your kid is a reader and you can teach them that and you keep some of the flashy shit away from them for a while, then maybe they would have the passion for baseball and be able to watch something like that. This is last. We ask this a lot and uh, I don't always know the answers we get when I do it, but. Do your, if you're listening, you have kids that are a little older, uh, do, do your kids watch Ken Burns documentaries? Is that something that you, that they'll, that they watch? Is that something that you, maybe you know about that you also love that you wouldn't even share with them? I'm just kind of curious, like parents, let's say if teenagers are older, have you shared Ken Burns stuff with them? Do you think 
people who are listening. I guess maybe some of our older audience. I think we do. some of our younger audience wouldn't want, wouldn't. If you're younger too, I'm curious. If you're like in your yeah. 20s, like the, is the Ken Burns baseball thing? Like, I think Kevin. It's on MLB Network a lot, so I'm guessing you ran into it. Mm, yeah. Is that something you were like? You I know? think it was geared to people who were old, older than us. Oh, it was. You know like, I mean, I mean tor- you know, even when it came on. Like, yeah. So yeah, it came yeah. on when I'm 14. It was, oh, it was obviously it wasn't geared to a 14 year old yeah, back so. then. But it, but, but, but it could be enjoyed by a 14 year old though. Yeah. Where like now it's like there's no way a 14 year old would enjoy that now. I don't, I don't think, think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I'm being negative. I don't know. Um, but I, I will always be um, so appreciative of that miniseries coming out when it did because it really did at least for eight days you know whatever 16 hours however fucking long it is it gave me a break got you through it got me through it gave me something to look forward to and otherwise i mean my god there's no no playoffs and no i mean remember i was like was it august 13th when i was like or something like that i was like oh my god the one time in my life it, it before or since that i've needed baseball the most you it abandoned me and then that, that always hurt. Yeah. Um, but the, that Ken Burns thing definitely, like definitely helped a little bit. Um, Cause yeah, this was an awful time. There's really no worse. This is worse. Probably this is worse than divorce in some ways. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's awful, awful, awful. Parent dies. No fun. Did uh, two thumbs down and parents dying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do not recommend. Did you, no, yeah, yeah. did your dad watch any of this with you? Was he, he able to? Uh, I think he may have. He, he wasn't a lot of fun at the end. <laughs> He was very angry. He's 42. Same age I am. If I make it to Labor Day, I outlived him. Um, So uh, he was young. He was angry. Uh, He was uh, under a ton of pain meds. He was trying not to take the pain meds so he could be like... Kind of lucid. Yeah. His last days, he wants to know what's going on, but then he doesn't take pain meds and he's angry. He's in pain. He's angry. He's dying. Um, It was not... My house was not a fun place to be uh, for that entire fall. It was awful. Um, he got, we'll probably talk about in December we, if we're here with those months, but like he eventually becomes more comatose in December. He died December 13th. He becomes more comatose in December, but that October, November, oh, 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 not a fun place to be. It was just that you had a really angry man who had every right to be angry, but it was not this peaceful, like, oh, I, this is when no, I slip into the great beyond. It was more no. like, I'm going to go down swinging and fuck the world and I'm mad and I'm in a lot of pain. Um, so he would go down or maybe, uh, he, yeah, by then the cancer was all in his stomach and his liver and his intestines and and he was just a drinker just it had spread everywhere and uh he remember him like sitting on his like uh on like the the recliner yeah and he would, like sit like almost like a fetal position because yeah. that was like the best yes. way to sit with the pain yes and he only sit for a little while and he'd, he'd be mad he, he might want to watch it but then he'd be right. mad he couldn't watch it right. and he, that would make him angry and yeah. he'd feel like the tension in the air i'm like dude i just want to watch this fucking piece just i yeah. need a two hour yeah, break yeah, yeah. from yeah. like your shit right yeah. now right so yeah and you go upstairs and then you'd you know, you'd feel bad. And then you feel guilty too. Like, should I be, you know, you know, he's dying. Should I be spending every minute with him? But this guy's like not fun to be around. Like, yeah, it's, oh, it's fucking awful. Like, yeah, not, not a fun time. But, um, yeah, I don't remember watching it. I remember being, I mean, it was in the living room TV. So, I mean, people were coming and going. He still wasn't completely, when I say better I mean, like he didn't leave the house anymore. He hadn't, he would never leave the house after this day. Like, you know, yeah. September, like Labor Day, he never left the house again. But like, he would still manage to go downstairs sometimes. Yeah. But, um, but it was, yeah, I remember like my mom's just being around, but I don't, I remember just like watching it and enjoying it. And actually the nice thing is I don't really remember him being there, which is great. It was a distraction. Mm. It was actually like a real distraction. And I, I like, I don't have, I just enjoyed the documentary. And you didn't get much of that. No, not, not, not in this time of my life. This was, this was a bad, 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 bad time. Um, but yeah, but you know, that's, that sucks. That's why I didn't go see, you know, another reason I didn't, didn't see Shawshank. Like we were just completely, you're just trapped. The house, the house was a prison. You were just trapped there. You're like, oh. 
I can't wait for this this to in some ways to end, which is a terrible thing to think, but that's how you feel. We talked about it on one of the earliest episodes yeah. we did. It was like this is what you this is what it feels like. You just wanted this to, you know, be over. <laughs> and when it's over, you're, you know, it, it's You can at least grieve and move on. Yes, you can move on. Yeah, right. You're just stuck in right. stasis, like. Oh, brutal. Brutal, brutal. But uh but um but yeah, in a very, very difficult time. I, I did uh, I did have those that documentary and um and you know, there were there were some great movies. This was a good this was a great movie here. Oh, huge movie here. Yeah. Yeah. So we haven't even, we haven't really hit a lot of Disney cartoons. We haven't hit Lion King. We haven't hit. That's a good point. We've hit a lot of Pixar. I feel like we haven't had a lot of Disney cartoons. No, we haven't. Beauty and the Beast made a shitload of money. Right. Um, a Little Mermaid. A little Mermaid made a lot. Aladdin. Aladdin. These movies are box office smash. We right. never we never went into. Um. Yeah. I guess that's it. So, Patreon. You have anything else? On this no, I think that's it. Uh, Patreon episode is going to be quiz show and uh, list fair. List fair. And then Supernova. we're back next week. You guys are getting three episodes. We're back uh, Wednesday with our first blood. Right? And then 48 yeah, oh yeah. hours 48 on hours uh, Saturday. That's the order we're doing it. And toy. The only thing we knew is we're doing toys. <laughs> it's the only, <laughs> Put that it's the only one thing I know. Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll have a big week next week. And uh, I might I might have an... Uh, oh, yeah, don't forget to vote. Oh, don't forget to Movie vote. Movie title at Quantum Week. And then... Um, Here's your chance. Use it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, next week sometime, too, I'll talk about my new movie project. Do you want to talk about it all today? Not today. Okay, cool. Um, and that's it. 